1: Welcome to Brother Nate Time Tracks Edition. I thought that would be better this time. If we just talk about um, Selma and um, Darian Lambert.
2: I mean, I, I, I did try to watch the Time Tracks pilot. On, is it on youtube it must be on youtube it couldn't be must on be on else. youtube I, I don't think it's on any of the streaming services oh man how much would you love if pten suddenly launched it i would pay $5 a streaming a service yes i would for a pten streaming service i was paying five for drama fever i would pay six for a pten you could just watch time tracks and uh seven days and the sentinel even if it just was literally just those three it would be really good uh Okay. Yeah, it's uh, week 49 of our Star Trek project.
1: Yeah, if we're still doing this. We're, we're 49 fat ones in. They don't seem to be getting any better.
2: Yeah, they're not. Here, honestly, here's the thing, though. We're coming up on a third of the way through this project.
1: I like how we, we're we just constantly in between Like fractions. in 10
2: episodes, we'll be a solid third. <laughs> so here's the bad news about that the fractions go really fast at the beginning yeah like to go from a tenth to a ninth is like two episodes but to go from a third to a half is that's a lot Ooh, uh so it's over it's like gonna be about 25 30 episodes so yeah it's uh it's ugly but that's fine
1: yeah it's four it's week 49 uh last week sucked last week the winner had 31 points it was the worst winner we've had I'm yeah. hoping we're getting better at this because they are not. The writers aren't getting better. so
2: we're, we're in a little slump. So we're in early season three for the 90s Star Treks. Right. And we're in st- late season two for the outliers.
1: Yeah. I'm always surprised when I find that Enterprise is not yet uh, ticked over.
2: Yeah. It's got just a couple more before it ticks over. Yeah. Um, and... Uh I think uh, TOS has the most episodes. But TOS is also going to die out the soonest. It only has 3 seasons, so.
1: Well, thank fucking
2: god. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> they're hard to fucking watch.
2: <laughs> I know that um that this has not been the great joy for you on this part. Although they currently lead with but, 16 yeah, the wins. Most wins. They notched that 16th win a long time ago. <laughs>
1: Early on they were they cared about concepts and premises and it has been a while since they came. Yeah.
2: If you look at their average score, it it peaked I think in week 26 and it's been dropping off. Yeah. Or that was its most recent maximum. And uh their 5 episode average is fourth out of 5 shows right now. Yeah, they're not
1: doing great. But last week, as usual, in the Voyager spot was Voyager.
2: That's correct. So, uh you know the rules. Uh, Voyager lost last week, and that means we're going to start this week talking about Futures End Part 1.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was
2: that a time travel version? That's right. (laughs) Of? Uh, How do you want it? Yeah. All right. that's, how, that's how you know how do you want it. You can tell backwards and uh, over the course of 11 seconds going up a fifth in pitch.
1: <laughs> I noticed uh, some of the noises. Some of the noises were uh, were tip-offs.
2: Now, right. If you knew what part it was, uh, you wouldn't be able to say <laughs> it because it's got an N-word in it, but still.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Tell a neighbor how you want it. Is that what he said? <laughs> uh... uh. Tell me, neighbor, how you want it?
2: Yeah, is that it? It's well, it's one been of a the while. very few instances in culture where a woman is referred to as neighbor.
1: <laughs> Bach was an innovator.
2: All right, hey, um, you can tell this is
1: going to be an event because this one starts off in uh, the sixties, nineteen sixty-seven, uh, uh, up in the fucking California. Ma- where's the Sierras? Where are we at? Barstow? You just say, hi, Sierras. All right, fuck this. Uh, there's a dang old dirty hippie beating some makeshift drums around a campfire.
2: Played by? I don't know. Ed Begley Jr. Oh, nice. Okay. Go ahead. Uh,
1: then he sees like a dang old UFO crash or something.
2: I don't know. He sees a lot of bright
1: light and the thing explodes. Back to the Voyager present. Janeway is practicing tennis. Tennis has evolved to have a a much stupider racket and an even much stupider ball.
2: We've seen... I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked it up if this is the same specific prop. I bet there's a page on EAS that would tell you whether it is or not. Oh, as uh, the one that uh, Beverly and Guinan? That, that Guinan brings yeah. to Beverly at the end. Uh, or that Beverly brings to Guinan at the end of... What's the name of that episode? Uh... Le- in investing In... <laughs>
1: The one with Dr. Rega.
2: Yeah. The Dr. Rega
1: shields. Hey, look, everybody. We took a couple of weeks off. I don't remember all of my Star Trek right now.
2: That's a minor episode. Actually, I, I didn't hate that one when I rewatched it. I thought uh, it's a little bit wild, but still. But you're right. I, I think, think Beverly's kind of a criminal. That's all. She is a space criminal.
1: Um, But to be fair, they don't have a punishment for her crime.
2: Um, she's on Big Daddy Picard's ship where... A, first of all, murder's fine as long as no one sees it. That's right. Or keeps their mouth shut. Uh, B, you're going to want to have someone like O'Brien around for that purpose. <laughs> or to take a nap.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and look, if murder's okay, then surely an unauthorized autopsy's A, okay.
2: That's right. And C, there may or may not be a punishment to fit your crime. That's right. Picard's willing to let a lot of shit slide.
1: Uh, so, yeah, you're right. I think the same tennis racket model or same type, but that ball, bro. That tennis ball. It looked like Describe it. It. Uh, it looked like it had like little suction cups on it or something.
2: Yeah. Now, is that a training tennis ball? I don't know. Is that used for when you want to train and even though you have a holodeck or probably even just like an empty cargo bay or something?
1: She's finally caught fucking wise to all this shit. She doesn't want anyone walking in on her program. She practices in her quarters.
2: Uh, was that her quarters or the ready? I guess it was her quarters. I don't know. No, I don't. If that's her uh, ready room, it's huge it's that room where she's always uh drinking tea on the couch or whatever sometimes in her nightgown uh this is also how you know by the way that this room doesn't have a ceiling fan in it we've never seen the ceilings anywhere but the bridge right. in Star Trek um but she would be she'd be knocking down a lighting fixture it's all recessed lighting in a Federation starship, so you can go ahead and practice your serve.
1: Anyway, she's practicing tennis. Tuvok comes in to tell her something. Doesn't matter. A big old fucking rift in space opens up, and a tiny little ship comes out. Just as Harry Kim identifies that it is a definitely a Federation, yep. um, it starts to open fire on him with some crazy weapon that's a subatomic disruptor.
2: Honestly, it's a it's like a bunch of rings, right, that go around the ship. Yeah. It's like this little ship finally got enough power ups. Yes. In it, the its ray gun uh, is better now. That's right. Its ray gun <laughs> is better now, and it's kind of uh, radiates out in a cone.
1: Um, they realize that what it is, um, uh, it's like trying to shake the ship apart or some stupid nonsense. So they disrupt it with they disrupt their weapon with some uh, techno babble nonsense of their own, and the guy hails them, and he goes, "Stop it! I'm trying to blow you up." I need yep. to blow you up though. It's important and I got to do it now. Because I'm you I'm from the 29th century. You caused a terrible accident in my century which is the 29th and I've come back to stop you but it's very important. I don't have time. I have to shoot you <laughs> right now for time reasons. <laughs> <sighs> um anyway, Voyager defense. Doc, you can't
2: just talk about the big plot hole in the episode <laughs> right at the start. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. It's just he's so clear about why it's so important. <laughs>
2: Uh, they, he thinks Voyager done blew up a whole solar system. Yeah, oh, whole, and it's the Earth solar system, it's the always, main one.
1: It's always the main one. It's always the Earth solar system that's in trouble. And yeah, they they done blowed it up. He he found Voyager's uh debris, it at, at the scene of the crime. So he's like, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna blow them up real good. Um, anyway, his plan is terrible because his ship sucks. And um, uh, I guess they get they get all sucked into that void into that rift, that temporal rift, and uh, end up back at Earth um, in 1996.
2: It's like if you took a speedboat with a one machine gun mounted on the front back in time and attempted to blow up, I don't know, the victory. Sure. And then it was just like, oh, wait, it's got a lot of cannons. They only got to get me with one of those. <laughs>
1: That's right. This machine gun is pretty advanced, but... It's just the one. And it, I just have one of them. I'm going to have to shoot these guys a lot before they blow up or yeah, sink or whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about this. Because the show took place in 1996, that is the moment that they go back to. So they go Oh, back, that's correct. They go back to 1996, <laughs> uh, which they determined by star charts, of course. Uh, luckily, they got uh, 20th century amateur historian TP around to um, tell them that there's probably some satellites that can look at you, so
2: just hang around in orbit they have barely mentioned that tom paris is interested in the 20th century no i think this is now all we know for sure is that he's got one holodeck program where he fucks in a french yes bar
1: well didn't he also have the one with the uh with the car that the doctor tries to get wet in
2: oh yeah he did he did turn that one over uh, to the doctor, but it's like, that car's on Mars. There's oh, something yeah. about that that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's 20th century. The not There's <laughs> a car there, but like, why is it on Mars? Yes, for some
1: reason. I think this episode actually ends up being the main, uh, the genesis of his uh, disgusting fascination with the 20th century moving forward. Um, anyway, but like I said, he's like, hey, they got satellites that can see you, but I don't think Voyager does anything about it. They just hang around in orbit. As far as I could tell, the whole episode. Um,
2: she just tells him to stay, stay way up there. Yeah, just, just, just like <laughs> way, just stay there, way or, up high where no one will ever see you. Uh,
1: they decide they, um, oh, they, they, uh, okay, so they have to figure out uh, what the signal is on the planet, right? They can detect the dude's future signature.
2: Yeah, there's a subspace signature down on the
1: planet, they got in the city of Los Angeles, From Los Angeles, which is a total mystery to Tuvok, and we will find out why later. Um, well, you know, it does not matter to the story. I guess there was some quake in, like, the 2040s.
2: that yeah, Los Angeles gets wiped in 2047.
1: When he said Los Angeles, I went, dude, Tuvok, you went to the Academy, right? Like, that's in San Francisco. That's just right up the coast. You should probably know what's going on. Yeah, by the Los way, Angeles San Francisco
2: is. appears not to have been damaged by a quake that was big enough to turn all of Southern California into a coral, a reef. coral reef. Yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, they gotta go down and deal with the 20th century people so they get in all of their best 1996 outfits
2: who's she taking who's she taking out of the away well feet? she's
1: taking the ace team i would call them she's taking beltran all right uh he's gonna have like a real funny like short bangs haircut and
2: uh does she take him down there because uh he he, like he knows how to build a bathtub out of wood and shit. And she don't really remember what technology was like in nineteen ninety six. She's like, "Is this the
1: Victorian era? Like, are my are, is this
2: gonna be the, the the dark ages? Where are we going?" She takes, or she just like, if this goes bad, we're gonna go back to that weird uh, sex we almost had in that cabin. If we get stranded in the twentieth yeah. century,
1: she takes the rest of the ace team, which is historian TP, dressed as somebody's. Well, I thought somebody's dad but you pointed out he looks like Joey Gladstone. Joey Gladstone, for sure. (laughs) He's got like a Hawaiian-style shirt tucked into some real badly acid-washed jeans. That's correct. It is. White sneakers, too, you know. it's white sneakers It's not a good look at all, Uh, especially with his receding hairline. Um, And she takes Tuvok, because why wouldn't you take a Vulcan when you have some humans on board you can take? You take the Vulcan, and you put him in a hate crime. I'm not even going to say an outfit, just a hate crime. (laughs)
2: Which is a do rag, and it's a look. It's it's not see the do rag do-rag covers his ears, and then the rest of the outfit matches the do rag. Sure, it
1: matches. A great people definitely looked like that. But that's now I'm she sorry.
2: could have put that weird tennis racket in his hands and done him up as John McEnroe. Yeah, that would have been great. Or Mark Knopfler,
1: well, whoever, or um, we never. Maybe he'll go further back in time, and he'll be the genesis of that look. Yep. Uh, so they walking around. uh... The beach. They want yeah, to go right down to Venice. They go walking around the beach with, like, they see the rollerbladers and, um, and they make a lot of jokes about the colorful locals. Yep. Banter, banter, banter. Banter, banter, banter. banter. And then they go, okay, uh, we got to. Okay, what makes it that sends uh, Tom Paris and Tuvok out to that observatory?
2: All right, so here's what's what done happen so far. Sarah Silverman is uh, an astronomer right. at Griffith Park Observatory. And she picks up and she she has been she's um, alone among all astronomers. She has been looking for a specific crazy type of signal. And this is because the uh, the astrono- the observatory is getting funding from Microsoft. Ed Begley Juniors Microsoft. You can just call it Microsoft. It's Works <laughs> is yeah. what it's called. He is Henry Starling. Yeah. So because he found the time ship when it crashed. He has given her a, a he's list told her of how things. to find warp signatures yeah. and that's what she has spotted. So she spotted Voyager. She calls him. He says, "Keep your goddamn mouth shut until we figure out what it is." But she doesn't. No, she immediately she sends the she fires up a SETI signal at them. Yeah. Harry Kim notifies it, notices it, tells the people down there, "Hey, it's coming from an observatory 20 miles away from okay. here." Okay.
1: She says, "Hey, um you guys going to have to get there on foot cuz the transporter's dumb broke." transporters done broke up there because of that cool ray gun. And uh, so you got to find local transport and we are going to keep looking for this signal that we came down here to find in the first yeah. place.
2: She heard that man scream at them so she knows there's no time. So they're <laughs> going to have to steal a fucking car and go there. That's right.
1: Uh, I think what ends up happening is Tom Paris takes a truck for a test drive. Yeah. Or was that just so, a joke?
2: Some Somebody who does not deserve to have their job Apparently, let's uh, Tom Paris and uh, <laughs> Tuvok M- Machiavelli 3 <laughs> yeah. get in this truck alone and drive it away.
1: And just drive it away. They drive it away. Did over. he make a
2: driver's license up there? I don't. Yeah. And you'd think you'd have to, like, show something. But at least, like, at, if they're letting you drive that thing alone, at least you're leaving your driver's license behind, right? I would think so. But maybe he thought he was Dave Cooley and he just, he just went with it.
1: He's like, oh cool, Dave Coulier came to our uh our dealership. <laughs> um Alright, so they drive over to the that's observatory. A, that's,
2: the, that's the guy from the song You Wanna Know.
1: <laughs> she I think he cheated on her. He really messed her up good. Remember when she was on You Can't Do That On Television? Yeah.
2: Then she was in the theater. What the hell? What the <laughs> and now
1: you're thinking of me when you fuck her Like that. Yep. Um Uh so they go off to the observatory, those two idiots. And they go in there and play it super cool. And what I mean is Tom Paris uses his real name and talks about Starfleet Academy. He does. <laughs>
2: he says he's from Starfleet Academy. And,
1: but that's okay, though, because he notices a cool retro movie poster on her wall. Some kind of dang old
2: horror movie or whatever. And we know that she likes it because there's a book in front of her that's titled uh, B-Movie Art Posters. And uh, so she's got a big library book about B-Movie art posters.
1: So he's 100% in with her. And again, after they play it super cool and be like, hey, we were looking for something else and we got lost. Tuvok corrupts her computer with a dang old virus mm-hmm. so that she can't do any more Voyager stuff. And then they walk out of there. But like, it's not a cool virus. That, even the virus doesn't play it cool. The no. virus goes off immediately.
2: No, it's not secret. It throws up a big skull and crossbones <laughs> and it's like danger, 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 danger. It doesn't just like make it look like she went offline or something or yeah. maybe even such
1: as makes it so that her data is corrupted. It, yeah, it, it, it straight up puts it on the screen. You are virused. Yep. Um. So she follows him out. She follows him out to their stolen truck and as he's again playing it super cool. Like, I'm not a
2: space guy. What are you talking about? Yeah, meanwhile, Henry Starling had gotten a call from some reporter because, again, Sarah Silverman couldn't play it cool and emailed some nerd at MIT. Yeah, she didn't play it. No one's playing it cool in this. Yeah. Starting with uh, Captain Braxton. That's the future captain.
1: I should have said that. Starting with Captain Braxton, he played it the least cool. Um, He did. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, he got uh, this uh, uh, Bill Gates guy gets his his crony and he's like, take the cool weapon, the one that blows stuff up, and then go and, like, if you have to, use it. But, like, if you have to.
2: Uh, I don't 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 know why he thinks Sarah Silverman could have been killed with a gun.
1: Yep, no reason to take anything other like a than a gun regular gun. Done it. But I guess he thinks the future men are here to come yeah. with their extremely good weapons. So crony walks up there and sees them together outside by the truck and just starts opening fire with the weapon. First plan mm-hmm. A. Plan A is to eradicate just, them with weapons. Just shoot everyone. <laughs> he blows up their dang old truck. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll get into all of the intricacies of the idiocy of this scene. Uh they fire back, they manage to escape, they drive away in the truck, and as she's threatening to scream and tell everyone about her abduction by
2: They they drive away in her, oh, her VW bus yeah. because of course she has a VW bus. Right. Um Did I said have we said before that this show and all Star Trek hates scientists?
1: <laughs> it's all scientists and science. It turns out they hate it's science. It's
2: 1996, uh, but she is she works at the observatory, so she is wearing a velvet shirt and Birkenstocks, <laughs> and she does drive a microbus.
1: And they did hire Sarah Silverman
2: to play it, and they this. picked Sarah Silverman for this role.
1: Uh, Tom Paris plays it super cool again and convinces her not to scream, and they they drive off together. Meanwhile, uh, Janeway and Chicote dressed real smart '90s style. A run into a dang old hobo yeah this dang old hobo he he's um he's got the signal emanating out of his butt crack or whatever so they go up to him
2: and it turns yeah, out it's still got his communicator
1: yeah it turns out he's uh he's captain braxton he crashed in 1967 in that first scene why they didn't go back at the same time is one of them um uh,
2: make them up who knows reasons <laughs> they just didn't they just came through a little later, so they ended up more in the future. Nah. Uh, yep.
1: And uh, now he's, he had his ship was found by the other guy, that uh, Bill Gates guy. And he's been tr- like trying to get close to him for years, trying to get his ship back or whatever. But everyone just thinks he's a crazy old hobo. Well, it doesn't help that he is constantly posting signs that say the end is nigh. As we knew about Captain Braxton, he's not cool. And shouting about the future. He's not cool at all. So he hasn't been playing it cool for the 30 years that he's been down there. Uh, He's been, like, institutionalized, he tells them, and injected with primitive pharmaceuticals. And, um, as they're having their intro conversation, a cop comes up and, uh, they they gotta play it cool while, uh, while well, they while well, they talk to the old crazy man, anyway, they figure out that this dang old starling and Microsoft, the company Microsoft, is responsible for all of the advancements in computer technology that happened in the nineties. Because they found no, no,
2: from the sixties, the entire computer revolution. Right,
1: that's been happening because they found the future spaceship. And that's where yeah. our computers came from. It's a real fuck you to our society. <laughs> that's right. Again, they hate scientists. They hate science. <laughs> uh, And uh, they go and they, they get into his compound. His, his dang old building. Because they're dress smart. I think is how they get in.
2: Also, their tricorder seems to hack computers. And it probably opens locks, too. Who knows? Uh, Selma's in there. I think so. That's what's happening.
1: Uh, And they figure out by uh, getting on his dang old computer and um, not doing quite as good a job as Scotty did in Star Trek 4, but doing good enough on his primitive QWERTY keyboard to um, figure out that he's trying to build a dang old, he's trying to launch the dang old spaceship he found. And that he must be responsible for the future blowing up or whatever. Actually, the old man told him some of that, too.
2: Yeah, he he figured out that he diagrammed it on some butcher paper or something his dumb attack on voyager actually caused the whole goddamn <laughs> thing because time travel sucks it it's really
1: because he had no plan and didn't try to make a plan
2: yeah he instead of making a plan he saw that voyager's secondary hull was in the debris of the explosion of the entire solar system one presumes and said i have to get in my time ship there's no time And went back in time to murder them yeah and because of that, this guy got this, this ship, whole scenario
1: launches it into the future and does a whoopsie and blows up the solar system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man. Voyager and I guess their debris ends up there because they chase him or whatever. It's probably what happens, right?
2: That's his theory. So he does beg them to stay the fuck out of it. Yeah, like if you don't get involved, then I your debris won't be in there, and then I won't cause this whole mess. Janeway uh, Chicote don't even appear to hear him say that. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> they, they don't
2: can. address it at all. No,
1: they get as involved as they possibly can. Uh, turns out this Bill Gates dude, um, he's, he really is, even though he found that time ship, he is actually pretty good at what he does because he uh, walks in on him trying to hack him uh, as uh, Kim has initiated a, a fucking download of all their information or whatever. Yeah. Um. And he, like, fucking reverse-hacks them. Well, first he threatens their death, and then uh, Harry Kim has to do a real stupid uh, low pass to use the emergency transporters yep. to beam so them up. So he beams up. them up. But then the dude, um, the dude hacks Voyager and gets a bunch of their info and steals the doctor from them so that part two is going to be a real blast. Um, <laughs> you know, because you'll get to have adventures with that guy and uh, Picardo.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh,
1: um, and then, oh, whoops! Uh, turns out uh, Cass and Neelix—they've been monitoring the TV channels and to stuff. see if anyone
2: has noticed Voyager, but also so that they can enjoy soap operas. Yeah, they're like the, that—that'll be fun. Comic
1: relief or whatever. Um, and then. I'll talk about all the problems with this scene as well, but somebody captured them on on video camera, flying all around there, and they already sent it to the news, and it's being widely broadcast that this UFO was seen and its Voyager. Uh oh. <sighs> um, I might have passed out. Was that the end of the episode?
2: Yeah, that's the that's the to be continued moment. All right. I really don't think you missed anything. Like you started to talk about the dumb. Sarah Silverman popping out of the roof of her van, getting ready to shout that she's being kidnapped, and so they make up a story about yeah. how the KGB was after. The, her. That's right, they're fighting the the Soviets, and she's like, what the, "The Cold War's over." And he's like, "That's what you
1: want? That's what they want you to think?" Yeah.
2: Anyway, and she, she reveals that she's seen two vox dangle ears. Oh, because his do fell off during the dumb fight. Yeah, which was dumb. But no, that's where the episode yeah. wraps up. Things are looking pretty bad for old Voyager.
1: Well, what was this episode?
2: The, of, Bill Gates got a lot of their data. that he reverse? He yeah. reverse hacked him using 29th century technology. Yeah,
1: Microsoft guy was real quick on that. He hacked him
2: within like one second. Yeah. Yeah. Bip. Bip. Yep, Bip. Yep, Bip. Yep, yep. I uh, guess it must just be a button in that time ship that says hack.
1: Hack button, and then the it's pretty smart. It knows what to do from there. Yeah. Who to hack and how? Um, what was it about this thing? It ha- clearly it, it was about a lot. So what was it
2: about? So, Ben no-taked it.
0: I don't blame him. So, let's start
2: right there. And uh, this was the episode this week that I struggled the most with. And at the end of the day, I don't believe they intended any take here. I think that's probably true. I don't think they did. I think this was pure story beats. There's no actual premise. Unless the premise is... Time travel bad? It is pretty bad. It's been shown. However, I think there is a lesson to be learned from this episode. Okay, and that lesson is take a breath and think.
1: <laughs> yes, if there, yes, if we're all
2: watching at home, what lessons can be learned from all of the idiots that appeared in this right. episode? Yeah. So we can start with Braxton. Okay. He discovers some Voyager debris in the wreckage. Jumps to, as far as we know, a random point in Voyager's timeline. It seems pretty random. He just He didn't jump to. He didn't prevent the ship from being built or launched, right? Or infiltrate the naming committee and have the name changed, <laughs> right? Or anything, right? He, didn't do he anything. jumps to this random point when Voyager was a third of the way home from the Delta Quadrant. Well, you know, it
1: has a hack button. He just yeah. He clicked the find button
2: and put in Voyager, and that was <laughs> I it. guess so. And immediately attempts to destroy them, right?
1: And then when that is foiled, immediately tells them every part of
2: it. That's correct. <laughs> Then they get sucked to the past. I'm not too mad with Voyager's response. They're just fighting a crazy guy. Right. So, fine. They end up in the past. They don't wait for Bolana to, like, fix the damage or to do scans and try to figure out what happened. They have to go down this instant. There's no time. Yeah. So, now there's an away team down there and there's a transporter problem and they can't get back. Yeah. Fine. Braxton, Then they find him and he gives them a lot more information and begs them not to get further involved, but they immediately (laughs) rush to break into Braxton's office. Then Harry Kim can't wait for these transporters to be fixed. He's got to zoom on down to flight level 100 and beam these old boys out. Yeah, I got some stuff to say about Harry Kim. So, um, so the lesson that I take away is, again, take a beat, use your damn brain. It's not a sci-fi story. It's not I mean, that part is applicable. At least there's that. And I don't think it's bad. It's very rarely are you so rushed that you can't take a second and figure out what the correct thing to do is.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically you're just shouting, well,
2: think about it. But um, I only gave it three points. Okay. Again, I don't think they intended that to be the take or anything. That or anything.
1: I think that is probably true. They've been doing that a lot lately. Like the one with Sulu or some other ones where they're like hey, this would be a cool idea for an episode and it's not, they're they're not telling a story really. Um, I had a three as well. Okay. I have it isn't technology we should fear, it's whose hands technology falls into. So, it's a, it's like a real obvious statement and kind of unsupported based on the this just being an action plot episode, yeah. But it's like, okay, so Starling and Microsoft are bad guys. Chrono Works, Microsoft are bad guys <laughs> who use
2: technology for their own gain. But like, you know, he's a pure villain, by the way. Yeah, at yeah. no point does he give a speech about how he's trying to help anyone. Yeah, this isn't like I'm making humanity
1: better or anything. He's like, I want it. Give me the future. But there are good guys out there who benefited from this future tech too, right? Because that made the whole re- the whole technological revolution of this age. And then you got all the cool Starfleet people or whatever. So you can't just get rid of the technology. Like their plan isn't to go back further in time and stop the time ship from crashing or whatever.
2: No, although that would be a good plan I mean, it's weird that they don't do <laughs> well, it. well they
1: don't do it because they would change the past because they yeah. benefited from all of that technology in the 20th century anyway
2: um, it's true but it's like i don't know we don't see how they get out of this scenario but they are now in a spaceship in orbit that can go back in time and it could go back in time like three or four days know, if they wanted know, to and just prevent this whole thing i know spock so was to go back three or four days in time break
1: the observatory spock was 100 percent able to calculate it all in his head so like I know the computer they got computers
2: can do it. and everything. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, unless it's like a death penalty offense that we
2: haven't heard about or whatever.
1: They even got a Vulcan. That's true. I don't. He doesn't seem like a good sciencey Vulcan. He seems like more of a make him run laps Vulcan. But still,
2: uh, death penalty offense or not, like um, Janeway's pretty loose by now. You know what else they could do? Mm. Go forward in time to the future. Right. Just leave. Yeah. Just like take <laughs> off and be at Earth. Braxton told them their debris was in the wreckage, so you go forward, see what happened,
1: <laughs> I, I know. What and you're then doing. go
2: back in time if you hate it.
1: I know what you're doing. You are positing a world in which time travel is possible. That's correct. But <laughs> I think what Star Trek will tell you is that it is only possible when the time travel itself has read the script. The <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this it's is... not possible.
2: <clears throat> All right, let's just swing it. You gave it a three. Let's uh, swing uh, in two.
1: Well, I was just going to finish. You can't just get rid of the technology. You have to stop the dang old bad guys. Okay, great. The outfits are terrible. Tom Paris is terrible. Harry Kim is terrible. Chakotay is pretty bad. Braxton is comically bad. Um, Starling and his one crony are very embarrassing. So, this is me flipping around. This was the back end of my execution. This is a two. Because I was
2: halfway through my uh, execution score. Okay. Um... Ben also gave it a two. Uh, He said this time travel stuff was fun in TOS, but it's real dated in the 90s, and it's even worse today. Okay. Uh, Okay, so... It's a big... A lot of shit happens in Star Trek for dramatic reasons.
0: Mm.
2: There's a lot of plot timers, right? Yep. And it's sort of one of the main reasons why you shouldn't introduce time travel. Is because it it renders all all plot timers meaningless.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So time, okay, time travel- Starfleet has a temporal prime directive, so that means you can't just time travel to solve your normal problems in a normal episode. But now you're in the past. Yeah. So that doesn't apply anymore, right?
1: <laughs> it does kind of feel like um, you've crossed that line, whether accidentally or whatever. Like, you, right. that's it's already over.
2: There are other big problems with this episode, but that's a really, really big one that's common among most of the time travel episodes. I, I don't know. We'll, we haven't really done that many of them, thankfully, so far, but there will be more.
1: There will be plenty.
2: And so you always have to ask, if they're there with their starship that we know is capable of traveling through time, it's a big problem. Then maybe there will be some where they won't be able, won't have access to it, and so uh, this won't come up. Anyway, uh, here's another big problem. Who gave this guy a time ship?
1: Yeah. Uh, this, uh, by the way, this is the problem in the present, too, with Starfleet, is that you always try to figure out how this person became captain. Whoever it is in the episode. Whether it's the regular captain that you have every week, or some
2: guest captain or something, and you go, "What? This guy's a moron." Well, I mean, like this guy's got a this guy's got a time ship, so presumably his day to day involves going back in time. Presumably, following some pretty clearly laid out policies.
1: Yeah, you think he he'd should be... be
2: pretty used to taking your time and thinking about how you're gonna do stuff because when you have a time ship you can do that
0: <laughs> yes
2: he loses his fucking mind
0: he
1: is like he's like when he comes through the void he's like Riker in the parallel dimension where the Borg have taken over yes but it's like you are in a timeship. yep say the where you were in the future was so unstable that you had to leave you could just time jump to a time before that happened and think, go back a, and then think. go back a
2: one week. Yeah. Go back a one week in time, take a big nap and then figure <laughs> out what you're going to do. Right. Backstep seven fucking days and just take a vacation.
1: Yeah. I feel like uh Parker from seven days was way more put together than this guy. Yeah. And everyone thought he was crazy. Crazy. Like a fox.
2: Um, basically this episode, is garbage and they just thought it'd be neat to visit nineteen ninety six, maybe because the voyage home is kind of everybody's favorite Star Trek. I know everybody says they like The Wrath of Khan better. Mm. But the Voyage Home is a lot more fun and also made a lot more money.
1: It's a ton more fun. There's not there's not a lot fun. super fun about Star Trek too. No, not so much. Not the earworms or people <laughs> acting against their own will and well, shooting Kirk's stuff. Got a son. Kirk has a has a boy, a curly headed boy um and there, yeah, there's a lot of people blowing up and Scotty holding dead bodies
2: and stuff. It's not a it's not like a real fun movie. Nah, Scotty's nephew does die. That yeah. does suck. Yeah, um I gave it 1 point for execution.
1: You cannot be blamed. This is not a great episode. Uh I was going to say just uh, talking about your time travel issue. If this is a universe where time travel is possible, Star Trek still insists on making us wonder whether it is. It's possible in a rusty ass stolen I Klingon ship. I understand. Then yes, what they should do is go back to their time at Earth. Yep. Tell Starfleet Command and make a plan and make a plan. a plan and do your time travel however you want to do it at that point since yeah you should be able to do time travel whenever you want but i still insist that they do not intend for us to believe it is possible for them to do the time travel despite right. all of the they others. should pull
2: a they should pull a fucking whoopsie time travel to the 29th century to a week before braxton jumped back and murder him or just tell his superiors hey hey i got a report about this guy some shit's about to go crazy in a week so like a hey, figure that out but also it probably won't because it seems like braxton caused it
0: that's right like so, i don't
2: know you guys know about paradoxes and shit right i'm telling you, you figure
1: this one out telling you now about all the dumb shit this guy did and that he's probably the cause of the whole solar system blowing up so just maybe anyway
2: your problem bye-bye suspend him would be my we're going back to earth like two weeks after voyager left and yeah. we'll just have to explain what happened to seska well, i guess
1: that guy's ship is cool because it's not just a time ship it's a place ship because that rift it is both that rift sent them all the way back to earth um okay what about world building what do you got
2: the hermosa quake of 2047 yeah all of the computer revolution was a whoopsie yep and then all about the stuff about the time ships in the 29th century okay i actually gave it four
1: that's some stuff there's things in there
2: that hermosa quake that's big shit they uh, they kind of just, she just like, I made mean, it some beautiful coral reef for 200 diverse species. <laughs> hey, did 15 or 16 million people die? <laughs> she doesn't seem to care about that at all. This whole area was inundated. You mean Los-, Los Angeles? I think it was probably pretty
1: quick. I don't think it's a, that doesn't sound like a gradual process. Yeah.
2: Anyway, we learned something big. Um, and also, I guess some more dumb stuff about the future of the Federation.
1: Ben gave it a two. said good lord is that the view of the 90s as seen by the voyager director and writing staff i don't remember it being that bad what the fuck
2: no he was 15 when this episode came out
1: uh the chain of command is whack how in the hell could ensign harry kim be the next most senior command officer she took the a
2: team that is crazy
1: Uh, i guess torres has not passed the bridge exam would be my guess
2: yeah no i don't think she has and frankly she's not helpful up there so i'm not surprised um but it's a big problem and I think I, I think I probably only talk about it in the quick hitters but um, you leave Chakotay on the ship right? Yeah, but You it, don't need him down there. unless Okay or just send him or send
1: Chakotay because he won't if there are bodies around at least we know he, he won't, won't, use, won't use He'll the tricorder. He won't use the tricorder. be real respectful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, he also says the Federation survives but is still stupid which is obviously fair.
2: Harry Kim has one week of regular Starfleet experience. Yeah, like isn't he fresh out of the fucking academy? He's so fresh that he almost buys trinkets from Quark. And then two years of all kinds of crazy shit on Voyager. He maybe he's not ready for the for the center chair, huh?
1: I got lots to say about that dude.
2: <clears throat> but first, world build, world building. Um, I, I, wouldn't you just put? Wouldn't you if you had to take Chicote, Wouldn't you just put Schmollis in charge, Doctor Schmollis I don't know. Do your best. <laughs> Fig- or fucking Neelix. Just put Neelix in charge. <laughs>
1: he has shuttle shuttle command experience. Like,
2: I don't know, man. It's Neelix or Harry Kim. Or maybe I could put Kes in charge. She's nice. How
1: about a committee? How about a committee of schmalt Kess and Neelix? <laughs> you guys just vote. And everyone will do what you say. You have to make it three because you can't have ties. It'll fuck everything up.
2: It's just not Harry Kim. Harry Kim's gonna immediately, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, Order that every meal will be preceded and
0: followed by dessert.
1: (laughs) Look, if you want to get into it, we can. I have a lot in characterization about him. All right. All right. Fine. All right. World building. Um, I talked about the dumb tennis racket and the dumber ball. Future Federation signals still recognizable to Harry Kim. So they haven't changed too many things like that. Uh, The subatomic disruptors. Uh, Again, I was super confused why Tuvok hadn't heard of L.A. until that quake. Put it underwater. Um... Emergency short-range transporters are separate from the mains, uh, but you need to be within 10 kilometers of your target, it sounds like. Uh, Let's see, they received the SETI greetings just fine. Suck at Microsoft. Show us your UFO right now. Um, This egghead can, like, mess up the transporter and steal Voyager's info, and I think it's because of the movie hackers. (laughs) Probably. I think he saw the movie Hackers and now he knows how to go in the internet or whatever.
2: Angelina Jolie's fucking around back there somewhere. Yeah. Uh,
1: He figures out how to contact them on their frequency within about six seconds of downloading their data.
2: Yeah. He downloaded a lot of it too, I think. To me it was a... I forget how much they said, but I don't know. They got three terabytes of his data.
1: To me it was a three because there was some stuff in there and also some things that I hated. Um... Yep. Really, only the Hermosa quake and the short-range emergency transporters didn't bother me. Um, characterization. Uh, Janeway used to play a lot of tennis. She casually puts her hands on Chakotay way more than I'm comfortable with. She had her hands on him so many times in this episode. Just on his yeah. back, on his shoulder.
2: They're in the past, baby. None of this counts. No, I
1: don't like it. She can't type on one of the dang old Qwerty's.
2: Um. Yeah, she never took a typing class. Meanwhile, she knows which numbered rectangle to push <laughs> on every display. That's right. Um. No, you push
1: 101.43, Dummy. Janeway has been trying to avoid getting caught in a time paradox since her first day as captain. I also don't think she knows how time paradoxes work.
2: You think it's not something you have a lot of say in? Yes, I don't think that's really how it works. <laughs> like, maybe don't intentionally time travel, and then you're probably cool for your part. That's right. Anything else that happens after that is somebody else's fault.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Hey, did Chakotay suggest mid-battle with this dude in the beginning that maybe they should let the dude blow them up?
0: i mean but captain
1: if he's right
2: yeah hey fuck you bro like we didn't even get a chance to talk to this weirdo like hey maybe you know what maybe another alternative would be he just tells us what not to do (laughs) and then we don't do it
1: but he's seriously right in the middle of combat he's like maybe we should just blow up could be could be a good idea
2: and Janeway's like, I'm not sacrificing this ship until I know more. And it's like, whoa.
1: And she loves sacrificing. It. It's plan A whoa. for her. She loves it blowing is... it up. Uh, Chakotay insinuates that he did learn how to type on an old keyboard.
2: Yeah, he took typing class. Why? He's done Mavis Beacon. I
1: just I don't understand what the reason would be. Why did he do it? It's like getting like he, a hella old printing press. That seems like a weird he, hobby. He
2: also learned math on Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> math.
1: Uh, good thing 20th century amateur historian Tom Paris is around to tell them about surveillance satellites. Uh, let's see. I already said he uses his own name and mentions Starfleet
2: Academy in his first conversation with this lady. But, like, by accident somehow? He just doesn't have a lie prepared, and he's not not good at improv. He's not
1: good at all. Uh, Durag Tuvok. He does so many fucking judo roles, and marksman's that future phaser out of that dude's hand in that battle yep then doesn't manage to destroy it though also
2: runs away bro yes. go get that weapon uh, so again all phaser fights but particularly this one <laughs> are ruined for me by the knowledge that there's a wide beam yeah stunt.
1: you can just stun everything in that you direction can stun up
2: a whole fucking room and this is the day that there's nobody at Griffith Park Observatory for some reason. <laughs> it's a
1: Monday dude. they're fucking
2: closed. I guess so. <laughs> so uh, yeah I mean they can't be right because that wasn't Sarah Silverman's answer when they wandered off from the tour. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just just fucking stun up the whole area around the statue. Just stun, stun, stun. Yes. Um, I'm not sure
1: Star-, Star Trek wants us to believe that the wide beam is possible. Uh, well then they should stop showing it (laughs) it's like time travel but you know what i mean once you've shot the thing out of his hand feel free to go over there
2: shoot him some more he
1: he don't have another one or yeah tuvok can just pinch his neck yeah i mean there's lots you can do but no or just run away and leave the guy with the big explosive weapon yeah um uh, neelix and cass are the fun part of the show because this show is a disaster they're watching the TV
2: and getting swept away in the soap operas. Well, they were spending all their money on location, so those two idiots... Imagine everyone else is fucking running around in L.A. And these two jackasses are standing in the, uh... I know. Uh, Neelix's... Yeah, what the, do they call that place? The kitchen? Yeah, they're standing there looking at a fake TV and pretending they're watching soap they operas. They didn't
1: get to have all the fun, it's true. They had a, a pretty quiet week. Though maybe they checked out, like, Beltran. Maybe they were fine with it. <laughs> Could be. All right, let's get to Harry Kim. Dude is a real fucking spineless worm. He gives in to this Starling guy in under a second. Yeah. He may not have even finished his sentence before Kim broke the uh, download link. Could be. Then he's like, I don't want to fly Voyager down there where everyone can see it. And Taurus goes, "Nah, uh And he goes, okay, let's go. Yeah. And he just flies it right down there.
2: Remember when LaForge took over? Yeah, and he was so good at it, and he, and he wasn't bullied by Chief Engineer Logan.
1: Yeah, and he was like, and he was worried about the people under his command, and he seemed really thoughtful, and like he was, maybe he was. Oh, that's right. Like, he calmed down old uh, Lian Su. Yeah, and like, okay, so he was like, one, sure, he was green. He was a junior officer, and they showed that, and he, he was worried, and he had to consult with Troy and everything. But it also seemed like he'd maybe been prepared by Starfleet command or starfleet training mm-hmm. or experience or whatever mm-hmm. and it was like okay well you know what they did okay with that guy in command that's something you can do in the future
2: picard saw something in him and put him in command when he went on that away mission etc yeah. etc this harry kim For guy reason he didn't call chief engineer logan to the bridge this harry kim guy's a fucking disaster he's not ready He is not even a little bit ready but he doesn't even have the good sense to uh constantly tell the senior staff that he's not prepared for this like data will and uh, the episode <laughs> we watched this week yes
1: that's right uh all in all it was a two for me uh, it was not good i would
2: say now this is one of those things i'm just read what i have okay uh kim is easily bullied by Torres up there thank you i'm glad you noticed But then he is just an ensign. Maybe leave Chakotay on the ship, I wrote. It's not like he's got a lot of 20th century knowledge to impart. No. Uh, Paris and Tuvok butting heads makes sense. If you forget all the times that Tuvok has gone off script himself. Yes. Like in this one, they're doing a real odd couple in their few interactions down here.
1: Yeah, he's like, oh, it wasn't ethical to steal that truck or whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: But we all... Tuvok... Has been demoted already. So for his nonsense, wait, has Paris been demoted too, or was that part of the slow burn? I don't remember if that was real or not, and I will not go back don't, and look yeah, it Don't up. do it. Don't do it. It's not important. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's a real mixed bag. I gave it as many as four, but I actually want. I'm going to downgrade it to a three. Okay. Uh,
1: Ben had it as a three as well. Yeah. Um, Chakotay never did get over his doe eyes for Janeway. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I, this is in my quick hitters, but he put it in it's his It's in character. mine, too. Yeah. That's fine. The rollerblader has Kate... Kate... Catherine's legs. I'm not going to say Kate. I guess Catherine's yeah, I legs. I don't like to say that either. Yeah, that's something he said. He did. Out loud. Oh. Um, and then, yeah, some more criticisms of of Cam. He wasn't he good.
2: I, I do like his theory corner that he... He decided to go down there and beam the captain right back up so that he could stop having to make command decisions. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. He's like, oh, uh, you mean she can come back up here and do this? Yes, 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 yes. Let's go get her. Uh, we might as well do his quick hitters, too. He uh, he thinks it looks like a very ineffective tennis racket. He doesn't remember it from that episode. Sure. I always want to say Remember Me because it's a Beverly episode, All but right, it's, that's just, not I'll the look name it up. of
1: it. I'll wanted to say Clues, but I know that's not it. It's,
2: um, no, it's not Clues. That's uh, a, Dr. I don't know if that's a better episode, but it's a wild episode.
1: Dr. Rega is in the episode. Blah, 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 blah,
2: blah. And he says this must have been very early in Sarah Silverman's career to make this look like a good career move. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. Uh, how come it doesn't have a fucking episode name? What the? F- Suspicions. Suspicions. So, not investigations, but like sort of like that.
1: Yeah, not clues or investigations. Suspicions. <laughs> yeah, suspicions. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um. All right, quick hitters, I guess. Go for it. Uh, this music that the hippie is listening to at the beginning does not sound like 1967 rock music, but it does sound license free.
1: <laughs> yes, and, yeah, it's, so it's, that's good. It
2: did sound free. <laughs> At the moment, Janeway says, his time ship is the only way we have of getting back to our own century. Well, we know that's not true. That's plainly not true. Stop fighting
1: with the creators of Star Trek. They insist you cannot time travel.
2: Whose outfit is the worst, Matt? <coughs> oh, I don't Tuvok know. as hate crime or Paris as Dave Coulier? <laughs> I don't or know. Chicote combination of t-shirt under blazer uh, with weird bowl haircut for some reason. like weird short bangs. It was
1: really bad. Yeah, it
2: was very bad. Very that, bad look. Was that a
1: thing in 1996?
2: I I was like, is that so? You could, is it to cover up his tattoo? Oh, but it doesn't. Also, like people had tattoos
1: in the 90s. Maybe not a lot of face tattoos, but
2: yeah, face tattoo would have been a weird look.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, thank God they didn't dress him like a cholo, though. Can you imagine? <laughs> there must have someone must have been tempted.
1: I I cannot believe that didn't come up. Um, we'll just but button the one <laughs> button at the top, and then and then uh, it's uh, the
2: tall white socks. Yeah, some shorts and tall white socks. This is gonna be this is gonna be the one. Uh, that must have been tempted to do that. Uh, Jane Way's white pantsuit I didn't care about. It was frankly by far the least offensive.
1: Yeah, I would have bought her as '90s power power executive right.
2: lady, <clears throat> a real '90s white. Yeah. Um. All right, I talked about the coral reef. The, some idiot let those two guys drive off in that truck. Uh, I was not at all convinced that uh, Tom Paris knows what a Fourier transform is. Um, A, fu- a Fourier? He does say Fourier. <laughs> Listen, that's fine. It's a French name, yeah. whatever. Um, <clears throat> I was unconvinced. Uh, this is the first time we've ever seen a communicator stop working because a phaser was fired nearby. That's another plot contrivance this week.
1: Either that or a random... Uh... A, a random malfunction.
2: Uh, Starling had more than three terabytes of data on his uh, nineteen ninety six computer. Yeah, I guess he
1: saved the good stuff for himself.
2: I guess so, huh? He took the, he took the keep
1: memory keep... straight out of that uh,
2: future ship. Yeah, I guess so. He wasn't letting it all go. I gave best actor <clears throat> to the nice cop.
1: Yeah, that guy was nice.
2: I've seen him in stuff. Yeah, he was. He was pretty. He was pretty chill about the crazy old. Captain Baxter. What the fuck was his name? Braxton. Braxton. <laughs> and uh, worst actor to The Wanger.
1: Yeah. More for The Wanger. He's, he's racking them up. I w- have, we should have been keeping track, and now it's too late. If we were keeping track. You know what? Actually, I'm going back and I'm rewatching, rewatching, re listening to our own show.
2: It's not actually too late because I still have all of my notes from season two, from episode two on, and I don't think I awarded Best Actor in episode <clears throat> one.
1: So that might be something we can do because I have a feeling.
2: Wang has racked them up. He probably gets a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. You, uh... (laughs) Anything left to talk about? Uh, I know we're 53 minutes in.
0: Oh,
1: shit. All right. okay, a couple of things. One, I had been dreading this for a long time. I knew it was coming, and it made me very upset when I saw the teaser last time, or the, the thumbnail. And then I'd forgotten again, and when I turned this on, I went, Oh, son of a bitch! Um... Again, she does have your legs. Okay, what?! Yeah
2: that's nasty. In what
1: scenario is that not a weird thing to say?
2: Not, listen not only well had had Tuvok had Tuvok and Paris separated or did he do that in front of them? <laughs>
0: I hope not I, I hope think they he left.
2: did that in front of them. I him. hope they left but I don't know. Maybe they were already on the way to the observatory. Uh,
1: a lot of bad shirts tucked into bad jeans in this episode. Starling does uh he tucks in his polo or whatever. Into his bad nineties jeans. Damn you nineteen ninety-six. Yeah. Um Janeway's timeline anti-contamination strategy. Send people all over the damn place and like just talk to everyone. <laughs> Go figure it out. Uh dude said the name of the episode. Oh, it was the ghost ship moment. Yep. Um Who are you people and what is that thing in your pants? That's a thing that someone said. Um, I already said the thing about how the guy says they might have to use the weapon, and the, that's the guy's plan A is to go use the weapon. Uh, when this chick says the USSR broke up five years ago, I was like, oh, man, I'm old. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> then TP says, that's what they want you to think. And I went, uh yeah, that was the right call. That is just what they <laughs> wanted you to think.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been kind of a long game. Turns out that so there's that. Turns out that was the truth. That, that was not over.
1: <laughs> Uh Okay, how did that guy take that camcorder footage of Voyager an hour ago and then get it to the news station when all of the stuff that went down happened minutes ago?
2: Yeah, it was real time, and there's literally no way that it could have been on the news by then. They were like,
1: no cuts. No. And the person on the news says this was filmed an hour ago. No cuts, no butts. And this was a camcorder that the dude had to, like, send the dang little tape To a news station? Also, he was
2: taking camcorder of his backyard barbecue long after dark. It's just... So he wasn't getting good shots anyway. And then I remembered that he
1: read the script and that was that.
2: Okay. He read the script. Yeah, he knew where to
1: point his camera. That's long enough, I think, for Voyager.
2: God, why do we always do this? Uh, Again, we started doing this where the worst episode goes at the front. We may need to change the order again. (laughs) Because we were shortchanging... Ones Continually shortchanging Voyager and Enterprise because we're very tired by the <laughs> yeah, end. It's of true.
1: Show. It's true.
2: So now we're hitting Voyager when we have peak energy, and Voyager is at peak crazy right now. <laughs> we do hate it a lot. So I think it's getting a lot of spite talk, really.
1: Well, let's move on. I I don't want to give it anymore.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh fourth place last week was uh TOS. Uh that means this week we watched Return to Tomorrow. Enterprise is following a mysterious Impossible distress signal And arrive at a dead world That used to be similar to Earth It's another one
1: of those those Impossible things that Kirk is mad Spock doesn't explain to him right away
2: That's correct Uh, Suddenly the voice uh, Of Sargon speaks to them Mm. And asks them to assume A standard orbit Sargon, by the way, voiced by James Doohan. Oh, I didn't notice that. Uh, Spock determines that Sargon is pure energy, deep inside the planet, and then Sargon makes it possible for them to beam through 100 miles of rock to reach him. So Uh, so Kirk's going to go down there with McCoy.
1: It's another one of these all-powerful beings they run into almost every week.
2: Just like all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kirk's going to take McCoy and leave Spock behind, but Sargon ain't having it. He makes Kirk take Spock by turning the lights off. And then, when they get down to the away team, it turns out Sargon has also summoned Dr. Anne Mulhall from Astrobiology. Mm. uh, Played, of course, by uh, Diana Muldar. Diana Muldar. Very similar to the name Mulhall. Yes, this is uh, Pulaski, who...
1: Just recently got kicked off of TNG in this
2: project. We just said goodbye to Pulaski. Now we're seeing uh, young Diana Muldar as uh, Dr. Ann Mulhall. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're also going to take a couple of guards, but uh, Sargon doesn't like that for whatever reason. And the guards stay up on the ship. Mm-hmm. And they beam down into uh, like a weird chamber. Right. One of them deep f- future chambers built by future people where they just leave the walls all rocky and everything. It's deep in the planet, and it's 600,000 years old or whatever. Mm. And they go through a door, and there's a glowing orb. Um, He's right next to the transporter room, which is weird. Yeah. But I guess that's where he hangs out. And anyway, Sargon's all all banging around in there as pure energy, force of his mind, etc. Sargon floats the possibility that humans are descendants of his people who seeded planets long ago. (laughs) He
1: floats it, but then goes,
2: but you know. Who knows? Well, we don't. Who knows? All everything was lost. All the records were lost. I mean, it's possible. Anyway, it's possible you're my children. Uh and uh Anne Mulhall says, nah, we did an evolution, and Spock goes, actually kinda makes sense for Vulcans, though. <laughs> That's so, right. I mean, whatever. It's a lot
1: of rampant speculation in this room.
2: Yeah. Uh he uh he describes that his civilization destroyed itself in the ultimate crisis, which all civilizations will one day face, and which makes nuclear weapons look like uh, kid shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he takes over Kirk's body and st- struts around, uh, like in the episode Body Swap, when <laughs> Rimmer's smashing Lister's face down into mashed potatoes and shit. Just being real sensual about it. Yes. Oh, I can breathe. Oh, I can see. Etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah, now he, my voice has a weird echo. He smokes all those cigarettes, and then Lister <laughs> has a bu- hard time breathing. Smokes a whole bunch of cigarettes, etc. Doesn't treat his athlete's foot, so, so on <laughs> and so forth. That's right. Anyway, here's the deal he wants Kirk's body, and he wants Spock's body, and he wants Mulhall's body uh, because there are three survivors from his civilization all trapped in these fucking orbs. And they're going to build robot bodies for their minds so they can go out and spread the knowledge of their ancient ways to all of their children throughout the the universe, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, One one of the bodies is his wife, uh, Thalesa, and the other is a member of the opposing faction. Because when they discovered that they were on the verge of destroying (laughs) themselves, they shook hands, I guess? Yeah, they went,
1: hey, all right, you know what? We both made well, mistakes. At least, the,
2: at least the elites won't die That's in right. this uh, cataclysm that destroys our entire society.
1: Everyone else will die, but you and I who caused all this, we're going to be
2: okay. Yep, yep, exactly. It's a real uh, George Bush giving Michelle Obama a piece of candy thing here. <laughs> That's
1: exactly what it it's is. It's like,
2: oh yeah, they had different politics, but they are still a member of a pretty exclusive club, right? So. Mm. <sighs> Uh, it's not good for Kirk's body to have Sargon in it, though. Right. He's uh, His metabolism's crazy and he's burning up. So uh, Sargon goes back to his chamber while K- Kirk and the others think about whether they want to give their bodies temporarily over to these people. But Kirk comes back into his own body and he's a big fucking fan. He's like, I I met Sargon in passing and I don't fear him. Right. And then they uh, beam on up and they sit in the conference room and Kirk gives a big risk is our business speech.
1: He gave such an important speech that for a long time, my take for the episode was based on that speech. Like the the music that was swelling behind it and how it was slowly zooming in on him and he was pounding his fist on the desk. I was like, this must be important.
2: Yeah. I, it, well, it, it I does, learned it was it, not that important. The, again, the, the music swelling does make it seem like it's a big thing. Yeah. Anyway, he's a real good advocate for this and they all agree. Right. <clears throat> so they beam up the three receptacles into sickbay and they do the transfer and of course these dudes wake up and they're all very horny yeah uh, including nurse chapel who is super hornily watches kirk and mulhall kiss
1: i watched this by myself and found many times i could not look at the screen
2: it's pretty difficult yeah. it's tough stuff um sargon and thalessa have to go back to their orbs after a pretty short time but Hanok, knock yeah, Henoch? sure, Henock. I wrote it down. <laughs> the bad guy yeah. who is in Spock's body, he can spend more time there because, you know, Spock's a Vulcanian yeah. and his metabolism's already twice as fast as humans or whatever. Yep. And he's going to work on a metabolic reduction injection so that they can stay in the bodies longer to build the robots uh, uh, ostensibly. But it doesn't matter because in about one minute we learn that Henock wants to keep the bodies. Mm-hmm. And so... He whips up an injection to poison Sargon in Kirk's body, and he uses a mind meld to get Nurse Chapel to do the dang thing. Right. They start making the robots. McCoy misses some big hints from Chapel that things are fucked up. Like when she can't remember what she was going to tell him, etc. Yeah. And then she tells him some nonsense.
1: She's holding on to the poison Uh, one for a really long time, just kind of looking at it. Yep. Hanok
2: does a pretty good job of seducing Thalesa to his way of thinking, because she uh, goes to talk to Sargon about, hey, can we just keep these bodies? But uh, at that point, Sargon collapses, appearing appearing to be dead. Right. McCoy can put Kirk's body on life support, though, but his consciousness is trapped in Sargon's receptacle, and Kirk's not capable of getting back there himself. Sure. Um... Tannock finishes the android for some reason, I guess to force the Lace's hand. Yeah. Like when she looks at it, she realizes she can't live in it. So she goes to McCoy and she offers him a trade. She can restore Kirk to his body using some powers that uh, Sargon would never have let her use. They have some forbidden powers. Mm -hmm. If McCoy will just be cool about it and and pretend (laughs) that she's still Ann Mulhall. (laughs) Right. Just let her keep this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but McCoy, has got morals, so he's not gonna trade one life for another. I was a
1: little surprised, because they don't even know that chick, and, you know,
2: <laughs> Kirk's his best friend. It is, it is, actually, it's a little surprising, you're right. <laughs> but I guess he's like, nah, they'll figure it Some, out. Yeah, someone will do a, you'll do a fuck-up,
1: is what'll happen. You won't be convincing, and then I'll be found out.
2: Yeah. Um... Anyway, she gets real mad about it, and she's like, how dare you define me? I'm a god, etc." And then I guess that causes her to see the error of her ways. Mm. And she's like, all right, fine, fuck it. And now all of a sudden Sargon speaks again, and he says that it's good that she figured this out on her own. Uh, Basically, he transferred his consciousness into the computer when he figured out what Hanok was doing. Good thing the computer's
1: capable of that.
2: He's got a plan, well, we've seen it before Jack the Ripper was just in there. He was in there a minute ago Hot minute. he was just up in there a minute ago. yeah, it still smells like Jack the Ripper in there <laughs> yep. it's not cool, yeah um the ship starts a rocking, and I'm not sure why, but when McCoy returns to sickbay, he finds that Kirk and Mulhall have been restored, and all of the receptacles are destroyed, yeah including Spock's mind um. And apparently Thalesa, although maybe she's gone into the computer. It's not clear at this point, but that's what happened. She's in the computer, mm-hmm. too. So Kirk, back in his own body, orders McCoy to prepare a hypo of the fastest, deadliest poison to Vulcans. That's the kind of order I would give. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, he has no he has no
1: knowledge of the subject at all, and it is obvious. Whatever was The one like, that goes fast. I don't know fast. anything about this. The ki- no, the one that kills faster. I want him to die real quick.
2: Because he's like... Hey, Spock's mind is gone. We're gonna kill his body now to get rid of Hanock. <laughs> yep,
1: that is the great plan.
2: so they go to the bridge to do this um but uh Hinoch uses some some powers that he has to stop everyone, and he orders Chapel, who's been his lackey this whole time, to take the hypospray and inject it into McCoy but she she straight up injects it right into Spock, yeah and uh and Sargon. Prevents him then from being able to transfer his consciousness to someone else. So now hanok has gone, and then Spock restores, or Sargon restores Spock's consciousness, which was inside Nurse Chapel. Now, hmm. what is not explained at this point: where Nurse Chapel was during uh, all of this. I think
1: she says that they shared consciousness in there. Okay. That. Oh, so she, she almost was,
2: got she almost got to sex him, she, but just yes, mentally. Yeah,
1: she was getting off on it. It was pretty clear that she got to be in the same brain as Spock. Cool. Yeah, it was gross.
2: Uh, and then uh, Sargon and Thalesa announced that uh, the, this whole thing has been a boondoggle and they're just going to stop existing. Yep. <laughs> but they're. Oh, don't worry. They take one last moment in Kirk and Mulhall's bodies just to, to be awful. Curve
1: it up a little bit more.
2: Yeah, while everyone fucking watches on the bridge. Ugh. Matthew, what's
1: this Ding Dang episode about? Temptation exists forever and is forever dangerous. No matter how advanced these old boys got, they still killed each other over things they desired. And no matter how long they lived in those stupid globes, they still immediately fell prey to their temptations when placed in human bodies. That's a meh for me. It was a four. It's something, but it's not...
2: I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it.
1: Not have desires, I guess.
2: Yeah, don't don't have those desires. Or just suppress them, yeah. I guess. I guess. Just uh, live a real... Uh... Real Quaker life, I guess.
1: I think what this was was a 60 sci-fi
2: episode. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down, humility is the ultimate test for a people. Mm. It's what they talk about when what caused the destruction of Sargon's people is when they started to look on themselves as gods. Yeah. Um, and then even Thalesa, who must have been on the good side during the war, is really tempted to take what she wants by force. I and-
1: definitely got the feeling she wanted that body from the start because she did not need a lot of convincing.
2: Yeah, uh... like I guess she... Hennig is like, like, hey, what, wouldn't
1: you like this body? She's like, I do fucking want it.
2: What do you think this specific uh choice was made? Do you think that the guy was like, I want the hottest woman up there?
1: Yeah, he said he wanted the fastest, hottest woman.
2: Son the fastest, hottest woman. Can't be the horniest or Chapel would have gone That's down. right,
1: yeah. It was not whoever's the most interested in sex because they know already they're pervy. They're going to be in those bodies.
2: Yeah. Um... But it's because uh, she didn't get sent down there because they needed astrobiology. No. Mm.
1: Yep, no. um, I would have been like, if you're telling people you need to build robots, then I'd say, bring me the strongest woman. Or like, just put her in a man who cares. You're just going to be in a robot in 10 days anyway.
2: Anyway, I think Be Humble is like a medium good Star Trek take. I gave it five points. Ben gave it a four.
1: He said he had too many partial takes, which I kind of understand. I went through a few. Uh, so he'll revert to weird shit in space. Um, they come across some species survivors, anti-war, he says, maybe, who maybe are gods, don't deify shit, but who just want to be real people again, and then are just as scheming as real people, gods are fallible. So they, so he had a bunch. He had absolute power, uh, and corrupting, and, but with a redemptive twist, question mark?
2: Well, he says it was a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, just, let's, let's swing into execution here Uh, this episode is like every Star Trek episode rolled up into one Yes It's like, we have human consciousness in advanced androids Ancient gods leaving the galaxy forever Powerful people easily seduced by sensual human existence Ugh. Kirk just kissing a subordinate in front of everybody could, Spock that. Could you crazy. stop saying sensual? Please <laughs>
1: It's making me Sorry. think of I this. did mean to
2: say sensual.
1: I'm tired of thinking of this episode.
2: Um, It's like if a neural net watched season one of TOS and wrote a script. It's like this is a botnik. A botnik we script. did a botnik here. Yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, this is not a clip show, but it, it, this is almost has the content of Shades of Grey. The only one uh, fun thing I found in this whole episode was there's a smash cut to Scotty in the briefing room going, They want to use our what? (laughs) So, you know, at least they tried one comedic film technique. Yeah. Uh, I gave it as many as three.
1: I was in agreement. I gave it three. Uh, This was a long morality play about magic aliens. As such, (laughs) it had little characterization, little world building, and was fucking boring. I couldn't believe how long this felt. Of course, the gender roles are always pretty nasty, and Spock's boy is all pervy when he wakes up, and the other two are basically groping each other all over the place the whole time. I'm surprised Gene didn't just fucking film an orgy scene in this fucker.
2: It was gross. Oh, yeah. It's weird that they didn't do a three-way, right? Yep. Like, just, oh, our bodies. Mm. It was fucking horrible. I'm going to smash my face down in mashed potatoes and pour (laughs) gravy over the back of my head. It was bad.
1: It was bad. It was a three for me.
2: Um, ben gave it a three two. He said, "How many times do they have to say that Kirk's body is impressive?" Hey, seriously, he he made them put in a few of those. Shatter had them put that in. <laughs> um,
1: I'm very happy with this beefy body, they barrel a Deus, chested.
2: A Deus Spock Machina, <laughs> suggesting Why that he doesn't he understand what that, what that means in Greek. But that's fine. It's a Deus Ex Spock, but that, it's okay. Okay. And you're right, Deus Ex Spock, and it was just left on the table. Yeah. There's probably some stuff in the middle, but it wasn't anything good. Aliens scheming against each other. Brian we'll just cut it. Jace he gives it a zero in world building. <laughs> he says he doesn't think there was anything important, just a little about an alien race.
1: Yeah, well, I gave it a one. What do um, you have? Hundreds of light years past where any federation ship had been, and I'm guessing no spacefaring race had been there because Sargon said that he had been groping around for somebody. And this ship was what he found. So that part of space either doesn't have inhabited planets or just not spacefaring ones.
2: Yeah, maybe their war did a real number on the region. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yet another all-powerful being, Sargon, capable of transporting through 100 miles of solid rock. 6,000 centuries ago, these dudes were colonizing the galaxy, according to this boy. And who knows? Maybe they are uh, descendants of uh, the sentient species of this part of the galaxy. But, like, again, really, who knows?
2: Uh, these boys as body snatchers, it's a one. Uh, in addition to that, I have a planet without an atmosphere can still be class M. Oh, so that's... that distinction must be based on some other things, right? I guess so. What the hell else could it be, though? I mean, it must be the size, the mineral composition, maybe. It's hard to say. Hmm. Uh, Vulcans may have been kickstarted by a previous civilization. Maybe. And the Enterprise can travel far enough away that a log entry could take weeks to reach Earth.
1: Yes, again, we are never clear on what the hell the speed of those transmissions is. Yeah, the
2: the ratio of the speed of the ship to the radio signal is never... It's never clear and it's not consistent. Yeah. Um, I still gave it the standard three.
1: Whoa, okay. To me, there was way too much maybe in what these dudes mean to this part of the galaxy for it to be important. The yeah. fact that the guy himself goes or not, I don't know, made me go. Yeah, well, well, what was the point of this? Are what are
2: you going to do? <laughs> yeah, there haven't been any tornadoes in Springfield since the Hall of Records mysteriously uh, <laughs> blew, blew away, away yeah, in nineteen seventy nine. Right.
0: Um.
1: Uh. What about characterization? I feel bad. So, We're going to finish this in fifteen minutes.
2: <laughs> uh, it's true. I guess we are compensating a little bit. Um, There's a moment when Kirk That moment when Kirk returns to his body For the first time And he's like I met Sargon And I don't fear him And Anne Mulhall says He could have a false euphoria here This is, you know He's been through a lot mm. And that is the thing that sort of best explains Kirk's behavior in this episode He advocates so hard for this body swap That they play dramatic music under it Yep and apparently his decision to ice Spock was totally real because he didn't know that Spock was all living inside uh, Nurse Chapel. Yeah,
1: he w- he wasn't told. Sargon does a lot of um, not telling people the plan in this episode. Yeah,
2: for sure. He does not trust others with his plan. Not even his lady. I thought McCoy was fine in this one. I thought Scotty comes off like a little bit of a buffoon. Yeah. And no one else is in this one. So on the whole, with Kirk acting... Maybe like he's high, (laughs) and Scotty not coming off so great. I only gave it three points for characterization. Uh,
1: Ben gave it a four. A smirking, smug Spock. If uh, 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 if, if Is one you want to see? Oh, is one. It's not him inside his body. Uh, Dang, Nurse Chapel really did a mind fuck with Spock. It seemed like something was going on in there. Yep. And so obviously this is not Kirk at the end. There was not
2: there would there should have been a moment where McCoy was uh, like, "Why are you walking around with a flooded basement?" <laughs> right. Everybody can see it because of your uniform. Your uniform's gross. <laughs> uh
1: and then yeah, he points out that it was pretty exhibitionist right there on the bridge when they were doing their farewell nasty. Um I also gave it a 4. Spock was way cooler about the missing security guards than he was about the women.
2: That is true. That is true. But that uh, the Spock that shouted the women was much less cool in general. That was the shouting era for Spock.
1: Uh, I just love, every time I think about that, I love it. The women.
2: Oh, it is great how Spock has immediately connect, connected the dots for like, the two people that are missing.
1: The women! As they materialize. Uh, McCoy is into gunplay. Just whipping that pistol out and pointing at it, folks very irresponsible um Mm. quite simple happens every day good quip from McCoy about Kirk's simple mind transfer remark
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um for some reason Kirk makes this a democracy he like normally rules by decree but then he gets in there and has to give a big speech and says that they all get to vote
2: on this body yeah well this one's pretty far outside of the normal regulations huh it's a great
1: Kirk speech um Somehow, after all this shit, he still asks Sargon how they can help in the end of this long-as-hell morality play. <laughs> I don't understand, like, why he... You're right that he is high as shit, because after all that, I've been like, good, now leave. You can leave now? This was, as usual, a bad
2: journey. We
1: should never yeah, I don't have know come
2: what here. It, I don't know what it's like to be inside that orb, but Kirk comes out a changed man. <laughs> That's right.
1: Um, yeah, for me, it was a four. Do you have some quick hitters? Just one, dude. Can robot lips do this? <laughs> Good God. Tell me more about this Earth thing called kissing.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Mm. She actually. Yeah. They actually said that.
2: When Lister takes a shot at sci-fi and Star <laughs> Trek when he says, tell me more about this Earth thing called kissing, I always thought, well, that's a little broad. <laughs> like, I get it. He's doing a joke. But then there's the Gamesters of Triskelion, (laughs) where Kirk basically does explain to a a woman who was a stripper in real life how kissing works. And then you're right in this one, can Robot robot Lips do this? (laughs) It
1: made me so horrified.
2: And first of all, it would have been great if Sargon had said, "Hmm, I'm having a memory from this body's previous owner. (laughs) Robot Lips can do that.
1: (laughs) It turns out they can. It happens all the time.
2: he thinks about it a lot. That's right.
1: Actually, robots may be better at it. She
2: had a blue and green jumpsuit. It's very strange. I don't... She's
1: more attracted to robots, actually. It's very, it's very odd. Uh, other than that, it was just more love themes for Doctor Ann Mulhall. As soon as she fucking gets plastered on the screen, there. Oh, Yeah. So, <clears throat> not much from me.
2: Uh, I will say, uh, I will say this: uh, she basically has the Doctor Pulaski voice already in I know. this, like. She sounds identical. And she I mean she looks very similar. She, there was only 25 years difference, right? But
1: she, she sounds so identical that I just assumed
2: something racist was going to come out of her mouth. Oh yeah, she should have been racist about robots. Yeah, Right, right in there. This was, was Why would I want to be a robot? They're inferior. But she also uh very few of the female guests have seemed like they could be professionals. <laughs> yeah. Um but she uh she sounds like an adult human woman.
1: That's true. It's not like, so it kind of worked for me. Not like whatever blonde thing came down and started messing with Chekhov on that one planet
2: or whatever. Right. Whoever's the new, uh, the new astro astrobiologist or whatever. Right. And oh, there's a doctor, whatever. And her whole job is her whole thing is she's got big daddy issues and she's attracted to old men.
1: God, that was a real episode. That happened. That happened, man. That was a real episode.
0: Oh, but it worked Um, for
1: you, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, basically. But it doesn't matter, because she's not a regular character, so who cares? She'll be back another time playing a different character right at the end of the show.
1: She flooded your basement, is what you're saying.
2: Uh, It didn't work for me in that way. Oh, okay, okay. But, like, I I thought unusually good casting choice. Yes, she will be back in...
1: Is it the last episode of the series?
2: It's, like, last or second to last one of them, yeah. yeah. Um... Spock is getting sick of Kirk's shit these days, huh? Because he's pretty preemptive with not even a Vulcan can know the unknowable. Well,
1: look, after how many times he's been accused of not being fast enough with information, he probably does just look up from his console now and just go, I'm working on it. I'm working on it? I don't know yet.
2: Kirk ends his log entry by saying, Log entry out, which I felt was odd. (laughs) Doesn't seem to make sense. Oh,
1: the log entry was signing off, not him.
2: I thought uh, Kirk as Sargon right at the beginning was prime shat.
1: Oh, he did. It was a master course
2: from the Shat School of Acting. Yeah, for sure. And I was not into sexy Spock. And then uh, You're a beautiful woman or whatever as soon as he wakes up. <laughs> uh you often tell me to stay out of your notes. Oh. Uh, of course I did write in all caps. Can robot lips do this? <laughs> That's uh that was an obvious one. I gave best actor in this one to McCoy and worst actor to Spock as Hanok. Okay.
1: Did you like it, by the way, when Spock? Um, the last time Spock's personality changed when that plant jizzed on him. No. Okay, so you like Spock mm. as Spock, and that's it.
2: I mean, I thought that Spock was, uh, like they were hitting on some truths in the end. Once they were like, you, you already, uh, you have made a pretty big commitment to that man up <laughs> on the bridge. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, I get it. I understand why slash fiction was invented. Now, <laughs> right. No, I'm not usually into it, and the problem is, because Spock is the only subtle character on this show, Mm. like, he already works nuance in, like, Spock's a little bit sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, Like, the regular Spock is the Spock that I want. It's true. again, he's kind of the best actor on the show, and...
1: And because most of the time he's emotionless, when he does pull up, Jim! Then you're like, oh... It's like always,
2: it's usually a pretty good moment. Yeah. Yeah. So to have him go like Go crazy I'm not usually into it Fair enough It's like uh, I hate lore (laughs) Well I I always assumed that was a Spiner problem Yeah, (laughs)
1: that
2: could be part of it Yeah Third place last week Was Enterprise Yeah this week uh, This week we watched First Flight Mm. Yeah hear that guitar Woo How did this not get... at this point you just got to get used to, you just got to get used to the idea that you're going to be here in that right <laughs> well yeah like... they're not
1: relinquishing their spot because this is now the enterprise slot
2: three three seems yeah. to be where <laughs> enterprise finishes a lot yeah enterprise has been right in the middle of the pack for a while now it's true
1: uh how come no one's ever done a cover of that for like a wendy's commercial or something that'd be great uh
2: that's a good question of course that is a cover
1: oh have we talked about this
2: uh i thought we talked about it maybe the at the beginning I think we might have yeah um, but the version that is on the uh, on the theme is not the original recorded version of that song. For Blech. Whatever. Um. All right. Uh, this one is flashbacks, so please bear with me. I will try. It's hard. It's very hard to describe flashbacks. Uh, in the framing device, Enterprise is approaching what they believe might be a dark matter nebula, hmm. and Archer wants to replicate a Vulcan experiment on a major scale by bombarding it with Metreon particles mm-hmm. Paul, kind of doesn't believe there could be such a thing as a dark matter nebula this is one of those things where she's real dogmatic about Vulcan scientific belief
1: yeah and speaking of people reacting um, like proactively Archer seems to anticipate that she's going to have this exact <clears throat> objection about yeah. it being an impossibility <laughs> right
2: and I think that's why he's hitting her with like, well, the Vulcan Science Academy <laughs> has discovered, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So this is the exciting sort of exploration, first first time out here kind of mission that they're getting ready to do, hit hit up this dark matter nebula. Mm. But in the middle of this he gets a call from Admiral Forrest, and it turns out that somebody named A. G. died on Mount McKinley and it kinda of bums everybody out.
1: He was climbing that mountain because he can and his rocket boots didn't
2: didn't get the job done <laughs> yeah
1: um <laughs> i assume how else would he die up there
2: uh it's a good uh, he died in an avalanche we we're talking all right
1: so the rocket boots didn't save him that's all i'm saying
2: it's uh it's weird that it slipped through the weather nets i wonder if the <laughs> yeah. continuum was involved <laughs> that's right um oh you know but archer still got this mission to do so he's getting it ready tucker wants to go with him apparently he also knew ag it's kind of hinted at Mm. um but archer says nah this is i'm gonna do it um but then here comes old old t-pole and she uh she's gonna tag along too and she cites regulations captain's not allowed to take one of these things out on his own
1: yep also doesn't it make sense to take your science officer on the science experiment
2: i would have taken my science officer anyway yeah much much more than my engineer yeah well if something goes wrong with the shuttle well, then I'll die out there, I guess. You <laughs> should say it happens every time someone takes one. Yeah. It's usually usually these things break. Yeah. Um uh, when they're out there, she uh she's trying to encourage Archer to open up. Basically, she's noticed that he's upset and she's trying to get him to tell the story. And um it turns out that uh this guy was one of the guys in the NX test program, one of the candidates to pilot to be a test pilot for the First time passing the warp two barrier or something like that. Right. That's the this this is the right stuff. This episode is the right stuff in space. Right. You know, more in space. Yes, further into space. It's a little more. It's like the right stuff plus past two, 150 years, something like way that. Way past the moon and all that stuff. Um and uh AG was was one of these guys and that's how he knows him. And now we're in a flashback and we've got uh, identical looking Commodore Forest.
0: Mm.
2: explaining to an identical-looking Commander Archer that they're going with AG for the first flight, and Archer's going to be his backup. So he goes to a bar, and he gets real drunk with the other pilots, and Robinson tells him, look, you didn't get this flight because you're too by the books, Mm. and you're too focused on the flying and the simulations, and you got to loosen up. Starfleet wants more than piloting skills. They want a real asshole up there. Because the big guess that everybody has is the, the test pilots here are going to be Starfleet's future captains. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the idea. So anyway, be more of a, a jerk like me. Be a jerk
1: like me, that's how you get in the big chair.
2: Right. And um, then we see the mission and Archer's uh, running ground control as the mission backup, which I think is something NASA actually does. Uh-huh. Um, and Robinson, AG Robinson is piloting this thing and it's not going perfectly smoothly. The ship starts to like wobble and shake and uh, Robinson keeps flying past warp 2.2 2, long after the call to abort has been made and the ship tears itself apart and he barely ejects in time. Right. Uh, in the framing device, Archer and t fire the Metreon charges and don't detect the dark matter. So it, Archer takes him deeper into the nebula. t wants to go home. Doesn't matter. None of this matters. Right. More flashbacks, please. Uh, flashback. Uh, Robinson's being debriefed next to the remaining NX prototype. And everyone has to defend <laughs> this program now from uh, criticism from the Vulcan observers, right? Yeah. So.
1: We already know uh, how we feel about them.
2: Yeah. They think that the humans are moving too fast. They don't like the engine design. Coincidentally, it's Archer's dad's engine. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've so heard Ar- something about Ar- this. Archer and Robinson and a young Lieutenant Tucker, who apparently this is the first time they all meet, mm. are talking about how, look, they just got to get this ironed out. Um, the intermix and and ratio. ratio. Yeah, this, is a, this is the first time we've ever put this much antimatter through the injectors. There's going to be a few things. Uh, meanwhile, this guy just like violated a bunch of orders and shit and blew the ship up. <laughs> it was a real dick, just a out real there. asshole move.
1: <laughs> They're like aboard, and he's like, nah, but check this out though.
2: <laughs> so anyway, they go to a bar and get get real drunk, and then Commodore Forrest comes and tells them, yeah, no, the whole thing's on indefinite hold now. The Vulcans went to Starfleet Command, and they've got cold feet about it.
1: Can I just real quick do a theory corner? Yeah. Um, does Forrest not want to tell them that the Vulcans really said replace all the captains? Because they're
2: assholes. <laughs> Good point.
1: And so he's like, uh, no, they say the engine really
2: right, got to work on it. Um, we're going to have to design a whole... The Vulcans want us to build a whole new engine.
1: If when you guys go into the system, it doesn't show that it, the program's on hold. <laughs> and I just told you guys, don't be suspicious. I, I told you first because it's important.
2: Anyway, I know a guy <laughs> who is a freighter captain, and he thinks you could get work on his ship. As a pilot. Warp 1.4. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he needs a good pilot. Real good and pilot. You're, you're the, you know, and who knows how long it'll take us to design this new engine. <laughs> and, um.
1: What do you got in your hand there? Uh, the, these personnel files? These aren't anything.
2: Don, I, I didn't, I shouldn't have. Why would I even bring these to I'm a here ball? to drink. <laughs> Let's very get hammered. Silly. Very silly. Um, anyway, that is what the Vulcans want. They want them to develop a new engine. So obviously, Archer's not going to be a fan of that because that's his dad's life worth. What?
1: I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did that happen? I guess his dad must be dead at this point, huh? I
1: guess so. He's not still, like, helping him fly drones on the beach or whatever?
2: Yeah, something like that. (sighs) Uh, Then AG shows up, and they get into a big argument about whether it was pilot error or old man Archer's shitty engine. And and then they get in a fist fight. Mm, Because they're
1: qualified captain candidates. (laughs)
2: But I guess it gets to him, because later that night, Archer looks at the telemetry, and he's like, ah, damn it, maybe there is a problem with the
0: engine.
2: Hmm. Uh, Luckily, Tucker thinks that can be overcome, but, you know, the program's on hold, so now he needs Robinson's help so that they can steal a ship and prove (laughs) that the engine works. Yep.
1: It wasn't clear whose idea it was in that scene. I think they Archer both wanted, wanted
2: to steal Robinson it. to help him with something. Yes, but he—I d- guess he did get Robinson to make the plan to steal the ship. <laughs> yeah, huh? I
1: think he. I think they both wanted. Might it. have
2: manipulated the situation and a little. bit. Robinson you
1: know? was the one who actually said, "Why don't we just take yeah. the fucker?"
2: Anyway, that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, Archer sets out on a secret night flight in the half-finished prototype with Robinson next to him, who, who lets him fly it. Uh, Tucker's running telemetry from the ground. Mm-hmm. They managed to steal this piece of military hardware with no one noticing for many minutes.
1: Yeah, with the camera, the cameras or the sensors stay? It's still in there, or whatever. Does that the ship still in the bay?
2: Yeah, the, yeah. Tucker fools the sensors, right. um, but Forrest and the Vulcans catch on just about the time these guys jump to warp two. Luckily, with uh, Trip's modifications and some good piloting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they make it all the way to warp 2.5 without blowing up. Hmm. And uh, after that, and some spirited defense by Archer and Robinson, and a year of additional trials, it turns out the program continued. Yeah. Some guy that we met but was never named on screen, Duval, breaks the warp three barrier, and eventually Enterprise is created. Yeah. And then, present day Archer fires his last two charges, causing some dark matter to fluoresce. And he and T'Pol watch the light show and talk about uh, how the choice was made to select Archer. Uh, Archer to be the captain of Enterprise. And then we get a one more flashback where A. G. is consoling himself with the thought that he'll get the next one. He'll get NXO two, but we know that's not going to happen because he's dead. Yeah. And then the shuttle goes back to Enterprise and uh, to Paul suggests naming it the Robinson Nebula and the Enterprise warps out. There you go. Matt, what's this episode about?
1: Per, uh hmm. perseverance in the face of doubt. That's that's the ticket, chief. Both in the NX story, right? Cuz everyone thinks the engine don't work and they're going to have to scrap the program or whatever. And in the present dark matter story where
2: They just keep going further and then firing more Metreon charges. Because
1: t like, oh, this ain't nothing. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got more charges though. Uh, That's really on the boring side of straight down the line. I gave it a four.
2: Uh, Yeah, I agree. Again, the way I wrote it was you can't make progress by holding back. You have to press on even in the face of danger. Mm. It's not a nuanced take and it's not particularly Star Trek for that reason, but it's not like vile. So I also gave it a four. Yeah. And uh, Ben gave it a four. Yep. The right stuff in space. And... Uh, uh, but he then he rewords it. To advance knowledge and scientific achievement, risks must be undertaken. He says it's a duh take, but it's a sci-fi and Star Trek take.
1: We all were very
2: much in agreement on that. Yeah, one. we were pretty much... Well, listen, uh, maybe maybe given the very blah way we talked about it four seems slightly generous, but they didn't make us work for it at all.
0: Yeah.
1: I I almost gave it more points for that reason, but it was just so, I mean, it's really talk about not needing to be sci-fi for this.
2: No, this is not, this is something that if you took this message and tried to apply it to your real life, you would make a mistake. (laughs) This is advice for a very specific set of circumstances, specifically ones in which it's, (laughs) It's kind of okay if somebody dies. And that's not... That's not too often. I suppose so. Um,
1: um, yeah, execution. What do you got?
2: Yeah, so... It's a little bit contrived, right? Because it, in all of our real flight test programs, everybody knew there were risks, and they didn't shut them down after accidents and deaths, right? Like, right. there's extra pressure here from the Vulcans... But how do we take anything related to this weird Vulcan oversight of Earth technology and make it a story about us? Mm. It's kind of hard to apply that. Uh, Anyway, it's super wild that everyone involved in this theft got a promotion.
1: Yes, that is what a lot of my notes are about, too.
2: (laughs) I also think that there's a better story here where Archer's constant pushing into the nebula doesn't result in a scientific discovery. Yeah. Because if you have a 100% success rate, it makes it hard for anyone to argue against the premise.
1: Yeah. All you'd ever be and doing also, is it just continuing until you succeeded
2: forever. Right. and Also, it doesn't make Archer courageous for his stances. Do you know what I mean? Like it's inevitable. Yeah. It makes it so another way, another take on the episode is <laughs> if you're Jonathan Archer, do what you like. It always works out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. So I think a better version of this story was he, they weren't successful with the dark matter and they turn around and go back and it's like, yeah, that happens sometimes too.
1: That would have been nice.
2: Um but all the interpersonal stuff in this episode basically works and that's crazy rare for Enterprise so I actually not mad I gave this episode 5 points for execution.
1: We were in like complete lockstep. I gave it 5. Uh I had what is Starfleet in any era? How did these guys yeah. not only not get in that much trouble but keep getting promoted after they stole that damn ship? Same as Kirk's era, I guess. <laughs> um and I'll be honest and say that as much as the NX program was meant to draw on and parallel our own various space programs, I still found it really interesting to see the development history of the uh, the program, or some of it, this little window of it. I didn't hate watching this episode. Yeah. All we ever learn about these Starfleet captains though is that they suck.
2: <laughs> this Robinson guy was a total fucking tool. Well, he actually made Archer a little worse. Like all the stuff we haven't yeah. been enjoying about Archer for the first time. He learned years. from this jerk! He picked up some of it, at least, from this guy. And like, and he learned a very bad lesson.
1: Yeah, and, like, all this, again, you from the very beginning, they're like, all right, looks like we're getting some weird readings and your shit's shaking all the hell. Why don't you just abort? And he's like, nah, fuck you, though! And flies the thing until it blows up and then comes back and goes, "Wasn't well, my fault. <laughs> it's like, Well, the ship's faulty. Like, how is
0: this?
1: Please send this guy away. I don't care what you do with him, but send him away. Yeah, send him right to Mount McKinley. And then nice And
2: or the laser room, whatever you have. <laughs>
1: whichever one, whichever one makes him most worried. Do you suppose he got sent to McKinley with that same reaction? You want me to go to, M- 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 to, go to Mount McKinley now? McKinley now? But uh, I, I mean, okay, I guess if it's an order. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. Anyway, I, I did actually enjoy watching it, so it was a five for me. Yeah. Well.
0: <gasps> Ben's pick of the week.
1: Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent, with my
2: pick of the week. Pick of the week. Yeah, Ben gave it a six uh, on the way to his top score uh, for the week. Mm. Um, He says the story is kind of flat, but it hit all the right beats and it had just a tiny amount of suspense. Archer not getting the first ride and so on. Mm. So it's done fine for once, and he's given it the points. Also, did you love how de-aging Archer was as easy as taking away a single pip? (laughs) Yeah, I may have been snarky about that in my description, because uh, Commodore Forest and Commander Archer did look identical. But
1: to be fair, isn't that better than when in, like, Dexter... When they did Teenage Dexter, and it was modern day, whatever his name is, I never remember whether it's Michael, Michael C. Hall C Hall or Anthony Hall, Anthony Hall or wait wait Anthony Michael Hall, um, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael C Hall. When they just put that bad like teenage wig on him and then make him like a little bit more depressed, and it's like that's it, that's a yeah, terrible guess... idea.
2: I guess cuz the show's not a comedy that wouldn't have
1: worked. <laughs> like Dexter wasn't a comedy, but for some reason they did. No, no, I get they it. it.
2: They made a mistake in Dexter. It was so but bad. it it can work in a comedy. Again, it's one of my favorite things about the first 20 minutes of Walk Hard. <laughs> right.
1: When he's a 14-year-old or whatever. Yeah, and Kristen Wiggs 12. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh yes, they did they didn't make any effort to de-age them, but
2: I was okay with it. Yeah. Uh, and he says that the test shuttle clearly has a second chair for a co-pilot. It, that's a big plot hole, because Archer could be there as the second choice on the on the ship. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's crazy. Again, I think the idea that the backup is the mission commander. Yeah, maybe Duval could have mission been there, controller. Yeah, somebody, like, they could have had a Duval or somebody, but of course, then they would have had to... Hire an actor? Well, yes, that too, but also... He's got to refuse the abort order, and it's going to complicate that Well, You know Robinson. We know Robinson
1: well in. enough by now. He just would have punched the guy out. He would have gone, we should we should abort. What are you talking about? And then he would just hit him in the head.
2: Uh, Ben's a four for world building. He says, cool-looking NX program test ship. You'd think the first real starship would be a different designation, though. Hmm. You'd think the test ship would be like AX. Um, but he fills in some stuff for early warp space flights and so on. How did you think they did
1: Uh, in this case I agree with Ben I gave it a 4 let's see Uh, dark matter has never been seen in this concentration before and all that plot Uh, Starfleet regulations prohibit the captain from leaving the ship unaccompanied that doesn't sound like enough detail
2: like ever he's just never allowed to leave the ship unaccompanied okay yeah that can't be there must be more to it but maybe she felt like she didn't need to explain all of it because she's not data
1: Uh, the warp 2 barrier Commodore I guess he was a Commodore before he was an admiral um, a, a Vulcan is observing at the warp tests at NX Control. All the stuff about that entire engine and the test program—I thought it was sort of an important enough piece in the history of Starfleet and the the whole program that it was worth points. I actually think this is what we were hoping we would get out of the show itself. Yeah, that we would get an important piece of the history of Starfleet. But all we're getting is like, hey, we met the Ferengi first.
2: Also, frankly, this episode could have happened way earlier. Yeah. Like we, it does not rely on anything that's been built up over the last two seasons, except that T'Pol is pretty good at coaxing this stuff out of Archer. Yeah. And that could only work because they've been working together for so long. The, but like the tea- it could have just been someone else in there.
1: The T stuff works. It's the I think it's the only thing that's been built up because not only the thing about how good she is at getting Archer to talk about his fucking powerful feelings. Yeah. But also that she's dogmatic about all the Vulcan science stuff. So yeah. it makes sense that he has to convince her
2: the way that he had to convince the Vulcans the first time around or whatever. Right. Um so yeah I was a four. Uh, you know, I had initially given it the standard three, but I think you're right, it, because when I think back at all of the, uh, first of all, here's what I wrote, NX prototypes, electromagnetic catapults, the way that prototype launched was cool. Yeah. And then early Starfleet history stuff. Um, I didn't write anything about the Dark Matter Nebula, because I don't Who know cares? that it's world mat- building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Um. Uh, when I think back at all of the stuff we learned about the NX program in early Starfleet history, I'm not mad at any of it. Yeah, like they're mad at, That doesn't ruin anything for me. It all makes sense that they would have to go through a series of steps to. We, we never see how Starfleet makes any technological progress in Star Trek. Yeah, usually it's just Jordy. The punches Defiant just up. shows up, right, and <laughs> yeah. then it's, or uh, the ship's just better than the last one. Right.
1: We yeah, they're like oh. The folks at Utopia Planitia really outdid themselves this time. And it's like, yeah, maybe make sure about them or something.
2: Yeah, so I'm upgrading it from a three to a four. Look at that. Extra points. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I docked something else a point already in this. So,
1: What about uh, characterization?
2: Characterization. It's a little bit of a stretch that T'Pol is this good at drawing Archer out, but she has had two years with them now and especially with Archer. Yeah. So I'm inclined to allow it. Uh, also, it makes perfect sense that the lesson Archer learned from this thing was to be a maverick, and not that his dad was fallible, and not that it, and not every decision is a personal insult. because yep. if that had been the lesson he learned from that, you'd have to explain why he forgot all of
1: it. That's true. It's so uh, good. Then they made the right choice.
2: They did. That doesn't mean I love it. I only gave it four points for characterization. I don't think anything we see about Tucker in the past. Oh, he's hanging out with Ruby.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, isn't that fun? You know. But like, I don't think any of that really did any work. But um, yeah, I had four.
1: Uh, let's see. Archer's a big baby about AG dying. He first fell in love with Trip when he saw him yell at a Vulcan. <laughs>
2: that it, was important
1: to him. His thought. Well, they even showed it. They show him like smiling and nodding to himself, like that's a real. That's a guy. That's a guy I want to make out with. <laughs> um.
2: His, I'm gonna bore him talking about water polo.
1: <laughs> his man. thoughts about his father's engine did actually cause him to come to blows and steal a ship. <laughs> yep. So, you know, <laughs> again, that sucks, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, that's right in line. I didn't put together that Charles Tucker the Third is how we got to the name
2: Trip. He didn't say that before in the past, did he? He has not said it before. Okay, I hadn't. Um, I hadn't figured but it out. That that is a real type of nickname that people get. Yeah. So that's not made up by Star Trek.
1: Uh, when those two dudes started fighting in the bar, you can see Trip carefully grab the beer bottles and walk away. <laughs>
2: yep. He's like, I don't want any part of this. I'm... Oh, this shit is definitely above his pay grade. He's an engineer. Yeah, here. two captains are going to duke it out. He's just like, I'm going to
1: move these beers. Um, And then, yeah, Teeple does a, a, a good job of not looking like Archer smells and talking him <laughs> through his feelings, which are, again quite powerful maybe she's good at it because Vulcans have such powerful emotions they're always telling us
2: it could be and but also she's had enough time with him to know that he has powerful emotions the most. So even if like she knows that he's upset about AG and she knows he's gonna talk about it sooner or later and she's gotta get to there <laughs> she's gotta get to that point or he's gonna shit up this whole mission how surprised
1: do you think she was when it got to the problems about his father's engine
2: do you spell? She was well, like. Oh. By the way, it would have been great if they if they had had a flat if they had a cut forward to the future and it was just a oneer on a uh, T'Pol and she just rolled her eyes real <laughs> slightly and then it cut right, right back. back to the flashback. Yeah, mid flashback. <laughs> uh, that would have been ten points for execution. <laughs> yep, I don't think I've ever awarded a ten for execution, but it for sure would have done it if they'd done that little cut.
1: Yeah, for me, characterization was a five. I, I thought T'Pol was nice and not a not a b about stuff. Uh, and the rest was pretty in line Yeah And Ben also gave it a 5 it appears He says uh, Archer's old friend dies And it affects him greatly He's pretty emotional uh, Some of his early motivations in history uh, Trip's dumb name So
2: He has uh, No quick hitters but do you have any?
1: Uh, yeah when they said that A.G. died I pulled a Kwong Su and went Andy. dead. <laughs> <laughs> And just got on my knees and screamed at the top of my lungs. Because who
2: gives a fuck? Uh, and by the way, it's needlessly cryptic.
0: Yeah.
1: That
2: the guy just says AG dies, and then they cut to credits, and then we have to wait till the fucking flashback to find out who it was. I don't care. Like he couldn't have said Captain Robinson died.
1: Yeah, like I don't, like who was it going to be that was going to matter to us?
2: And then we could have seen, like we were going to see from uh, Archer's, moping in the next scene that it someone like that it means something to him yeah, yeah it's fine whatever yeah. um archer said the name of this episode
1: yeah um well again that's the enterprise way right? yes yeah, very literal <laughs> keith Carradine, speaking of dexter you might remember him from that he played that uh, older investigator that dexter's sister was trying to bang i, I think banged oh. i think she banged him
2: i i recognized him but i didn't i didn't put it together he's
1: the Carradine who didn't
2: uh, Autoerotic asphyxiation.
1: Yet. Himself. Yet, yeah, sure. If you're still alive, there's still time. That's right. Uh, again... He did as a tribute. Again, that dude blew up the ship and still said out loud to people that the order to abort was premature. What are you talking about, old man? Uh, and then finally, hey, Ruby? Shut up.
2: <laughs> that was my last note. Uh... Like I feel like Ruby could potentially be an interesting character. Hmm. She's uh, she's running this uh, Starfleet bar at a time when Starfleet maybe could become something and maybe not. Yes. and But apparently, she's banging all of these dudes. Oh, for sure. I mean, defi- definitely at least uh, Trip and Reed. But if she's banging Malcolm Reed...
1: Ooh, yeah, that means anyone is fair game.
2: She's... Th- She's hit three or four of the people in the NX program for sure, right? Three or four of these potential captains. Anyone who
1: passes through that shitty bar.
2: So, like, did she have a bad life or something? I kind of want to know.
1: <laughs> you just want an exploration of what made her so gross.
2: Just a just a little. Can we just can we just do a Ruby episode? How about a flashback within a flashback where she goes into any flashback. characters on Enterprise that I like or care about? So yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe one where she lezzes out with Hoshi.
1: Well, that would give Hoshi something to do. She ain't been on the show in a while. Well,
2: Hoshi's best episode was the one where she got her groove back. So that's that's true.
1: She was the only one who didn't um, didn't get into a misadventure. Yeah, even though it seemed like a setup Definitely. with that guy who spoke all the lines. The gross European. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how would they do it on uh, on Star Trek if they want to bring someone sensual sensual on board? It's so usually a gross European uh all right well good so we finish this one
2: do you have uh i have some quick answers. i have a bitch okay <laughs> sorry that's okay I forgot. um number one i guess they walked back that denali decision by 2150 x huh yeah we're just calling it mount mckinley that's right again. it's still mckinley yep <laughs> yeah do you think ag robinson is an ancestor of terry hatcher's famous character <gasps> lieutenant bg robinson what was her real name i
1: forgot i forgot it too <laughs> she had such a good name it was um hold on it was um <laughs> oh you mean terry hatcher what do you mean i mean the one that i called her oh <laughs> um what were you
2: gonna look up i thought that maybe she had a full name oh no but no it's just bg oh, robinson
1: such a good name for her. it was um shit <laughs> all right well i don't remember Go back and listen to well, that. When, when you, I get to
2: that one, I'll let you when know. When you get to that episode, when you get to, oh, man, uh, I kind of would like to go listen to what we had to say about outrageous Rage <laughs> I bet we described it as wild. Yeah. Um, I feel like this NX project should have more than, like, five total dudes in it. Like, that mission control room was very small.
1: It does feel like whatever Starfleet was at that time was less than what NASA was during uh, yeah, almost any of, of right. NASA.
2: Despite the fact that they're now, they're aliens and shit. Yeah. Like, they're aliens. Yeah. You'd think it'd be, they'd pour some funding into it.
1: Maybe NASA was still the shit. (laughs) Maybe they were less than NASA.
2: Uh, You mentioned that Archer said the name of the episode. I was crazy mad that in the flashback, Robinson said, unless you take a Vulcan with you. Mm. Like, that sucks. That's not good.
1: That's like whenever he's talking about how in the future they'll have a protocol for this. Yeah. Ugh.
2: And then, uh, was it a warp exactly? Was it a warp 2 or a warp 3 prototype, the ship? Because I felt like I heard both.
1: I heard warp 2, and then when he crossed that barrier the first time, Archer told him he was the first guy ever to do it. But then they're yeah. like, we gotta show this thing can go to warp 3. And it's like, wait a minute.
2: what? Which one are we shooting for? Well, listen, I guess it was like the Mach 3 Razor commercials oh. Mankind has finally
1: Finally achieved Mach 3
2: Achieved Mach 3 <laughs> And then one of us sarcastically shouts The year is 1957
1: <laughs> Yeah, those commercials were very dumb
2: <clears throat> Uh, And then I was mad, a little bit mad About how easy it was to steal that top-of-the-line military hardware
1: Yeah, well, look, if the whole program's only five guys If three of them are gonna steal it,
2: you know <laughs> Also,
1: those security guards
2: were super chill when they showed up to arrest Tucker. Tucker,
1: yeah, he just put his hand in their face like, hold on a second.
2: He just put his hand (laughs) up to his ear to listen to his earpiece and they were like, oh, hang on, this could be important. I'm busy. Uh, He's taking a call. He's taking a call. (laughs) Yeah. I gave Best Actor to Tucker with Ruby. Okay. I always like Tucker best when he's not trying to talk about science or morals or anything Mm. and just having a conversation with a person. Sure. Unless it's about how he likes catfish. And I gave Worst Actor to Commodore Forrest. Somehow even worse than Admiral Forrest. Yeah. I I want him to be... Who do I want want this
1: guy to be? You want him to be the bad guy from Nightwatch because that's who he is in Babylon 5.
2: Well, He's the bad guy from Nightwatch. I I want him to be like the guy who's in charge of the Stargate program in SG-1. I haven't seen that. I want him to be the Stargate boss instead of the Do you want Enterprise him to be boss. Admiral Nakamura? Is that what you want him to be? Nah, dog, Nakamura Nakamura shows up, uh, just turns no, who does he turn loose? Mm. Oh, he turns um Oh, dude, a Maddox. Uh, Maddox just turns Maddox loose, and then I don't know goes to his quarters on the Enterprise.
1: He's like, "Give me a grand tour. I'm here to abuse my power." Oh, and by the way, your androids is, belongs to this guy now.
2: And then he'll show up on on the screen. All a couple right, so more you times,
1: don't I want think. him to be Nakamura. You
2: want him to be Fleet well, Admiral I like, Shanti. I like Nakamura. Yeah, I kind of want him. I'd All rather right, he then. was Fleet Admiral Shanti or the admiral who attends the, at the drumhead and gets up disgusted.
1: Yeah, that guy's pretty good too.
2: I don't think he has I don't know if he has a line.
1: He does not. He's like, why did I have to be here? Yeah,
2: but he he does he does good face and body acting. Who diverted my Excelsior here? This is so stupid. Uh second place last week was the next generation. Oh, uh, okay, good. And that means this week we watched The Ensigns of Command.
0: Uh, uh, uh,
2: uh. What would this episode have been named if it was an Enterprise episode? The Aqueduct? Mm, that could be uh, the Shellyak. Probably the Shellyak
1: <laughs> could have been the Shellyak, and you were just gonna—I guess they're gonna meet some called the Shellyak. I don't know. But
2: because it's TNG, they just take a line from a poem that's not referenced in the episode. That's
1: right. And then you will go look it up later to see if it's helpful, and go.
2: Not really. No, no, it's not helpful. It Wasn't super helpful. It Wasn't helpful.
1: <laughs> Uh, no captain's log on this mofo, because we is opening up on Ten Forward. They're they going to have a dang old concert. Uh, yeah. One of them classical music types. And Data's going to play, but pff, guess what? He He's very emotional. He's a special boy, and he's very worried about his playing. And he goes up to Crusher and Picard, and he's like, Oh, boy, I was really hoping you weren't going to come to this performance, because I'm the one in this performance. You guys should come to the evening <laughs> show
2: when Lieutenant whatever plays the violin. Come
1: to the next one because the next guy's not a pile of garbage! And he gets real upset, and the Crusher's gotta be like, hey, here's just a tip. Don't, don't walk up to people and tell them that you suck at everything. They might think you suck at things. And then she kind of nudges Picard, and he's like, yeah! Don't do that.
2: Anyway, the secret of command is
1: lying. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, excessive honesty can be disastrous, especially for a, a commander. Um anyway. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do the, how does the Shelleyac thing happen?
2: Picard gets a call to the bridge because the Shelleyac corporate, which has not been in touch for 111 <laughs> years, is on the phone complaining about a treaty violation. I'll take there. it. From, Human's on I'll take supply.
1: it. I'll take it from here. Okay.
2: okay. So, <laughs> Uh, there's humans on this planet. It's just its just like what the Voyager was. They just get called to the fucking bridge. I always
1: think there must be something that happens. There's now. no segue. <laughs> no segue. Uh, yeah, so anyway, this planet, uh, it's got some dang old humans on it, the uh, Federation starship here is told. They don't know anything about it. They don't think there are any humans out here, but, you know, this happens every three weeks, so they should get yep. used to it. Uh, and the Shellyak are just really worried about this fucking treaty they're like we're gonna come and colonize this place and there's humans on it so you got to get rid of them and you got fucking 30 minutes or whatever you got a minute and a half to get rid of these these bad boys so they got to investigate but this planet they're talking about has got some weird radiation that weird radiation. Hyperonic. yeah the weird radiation that
2: makes it so that the transporters don't work Humans shouldn't even be able to live there. That's part of what makes this one so weird. Humans shouldn't
1: be able to live there, but I think they detect some shit that says, oh, no, you know what? There, There is some things going on on this planet, but humans won't be able to be down there, so we got to send our robot commander.
2: Yeah, Dr. Crusher, who spent all of the last year at Starfleet Medical Presumably, just reading reports because she will always be on the forefront of medical research for the rest of this show. Yeah. She always knows a doctor's name and what their specialty is. Yeah.
1: She mentions whatever his name study.
2: The study saying that someone would, could use a retroviral treatment to make them not die from radiation, I guess.
1: Yeah. Hold on. I think I have somewhere in my. M- uh, M- Melon's work with radiation sensitivity? Yeah. Um, I don't know why they bothered to write that down. Um, Watermelon. So they got to send Data down in a shuttle. He gets down there. Um, and Picard, meanwhile, is going to be up there trying to talk to the Chaliac. Um
2: oh, By the way, they move this one along pretty quick right at this point in the show. Picard just knows that Data's not susceptible to hyperonic radiation yep. and makes the decision to send him down uh, in a shuttle. remember
1: last week when we went to the other place with all the hyperonic radiation and we figured out that only Data was immune. Yep. Um... Some two uh robed villagers, because <laughs> that's what villagers wear in Star Trek. Well, the robes are on top of pants in this case. Yeah, they're so wearing regular it's... clothes under the robes. The robes are like kimonos they wear over their other clothes. Like open kimonos. Like yeah. the kind of well, it's a flasher would use, maybe.
2: <laughs> a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh, these two dudes come up and they, they see a dang old android. I mean he tells them he's an android. But they recognize that this must be federation technology in the, the federation uh, that their great great grandparents or whatever were in the federation. Um, But you can't talk to us. We don't we're not important. You need to talk to Goshevin. That's a name here.
2: Yes, they should have Goshavin's their main man here. They should have just looked at him until they said
1: that's the name of a guy. Um
2: My name is Kentor, so uh.
1: <laughs> you know, it's our names changed a little bit over time too. I think it's the radiation's fault.
2: Later you're gonna meet Ardy. <laughs>
1: uh so Data, you know what, I'm gonna do this one. I'm gonna do this the way I do it sometimes. I'm gonna go this plot, then that plot. Yeah. Um Data goes and he meets with Goshavin, who's a real idiot. One of the immediates that you, in every single Star Trek episode, you go, how did this guy get in charge? And then you think about our real life leaders and you go, oh. I think of this guy as low self-esteem Jeremy Piven. <laughs> he is kind of, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's like, uh, cool. I've never heard of the Sheliak. I've been here for, or we've been here for 90 years or whatever. We don't know anything about him. I'd say this is our planet. Um, Are oh, they going to come blow us up? I don't know about that right isn't that his argument i don't know about that basically yep um, we'll see about that we got uh, all this stuff we built isn't it cool we brought water to the desert yeah we built all this stuff this aqueduct over here that is um definitely phaser susceptible <laughs> we, we don't shoot it <laughs> don't shoot it, it only takes one little shot and the whole thing is ruined so please don't do it and we built that we built these buildings these don't look so good but that aqueduct looks really good and um so you know, I think we'll be all right, and we're gonna stick it out. And that's my decision. I'm governor here, or whatever my role is. Does he say what his title is? No, he's just their leader. He's the grandmaster, or whatever. I don't know what his role is. <laughs> um, but Data also meets he meets uh one of them Riker-style girls who just wants to bang whatever new alien thing comes into town. Yeah. Because from the moment she meets Data and learns he's an android, uh,
2: how does she introduce herself, Data? To-
1: She says, uh, uh, how? No, no. She throws a pipe at him. Oh, that's how you talk to people in the... To test his reflexes. That's how you talk to to people that come to your planet. You throw pipes at them. And she's always been fascinated by, um, artificial intelligence or whatever. In her pants is where she's mostly been fascinated.
2: Yeah. But she's gonna help him. She dresses like Indiana Jones and she's into this robot. The moment
1: she learns he's a robot, she's gonna help him to convince these people that it's time to leave before the Shelly Act come and uh, probably just eradicate them. I don't think they're going to do like a forced relocation.
2: She's the other nice kind of racist where she tells him to his face that, of course, she believes him. Robots can't lie. (laughs) She just fetishizes androids. I I know this has come up before. Of
1: course I believe you. Asians are good at math.
2: That's essentially what's happening. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, so now the rest of the episode, Data's got to convince these these fuckers. He um, can't convince Goshevin, so he goes around talking to the settlers uh, there. And not not a lot of them are willing to move uh, for various reasons, which he enumerates
2: to Riker, who is very frustrated with him. Who does a lot of, use your positronic brain! Yeah, Riker not helpful on this call.
0: Yeah,
1: he's like, I'm not down there, I can't do it for you. God, so then, Data's got to keep working at it. So then, he and the nerd girl come
2: up with the idea to use. Oh, by the way, would you have loved if Record said, Have you tried wearing feathers? I did that once. <laughs>
1: well, uh, let me tell you about a time. Uh, one time I wore furs. Let me tell you about a time an uh, unnamed uh, young lieutenant wore uh,
2: feathers <laughs> <laughs> and then just get into it that way. Hey, tell me straight. Do you have a dick? Because that's how I usually solve these problems.
1: What? Gojima won't listen to you? Just fuck him.
2: <laughs> what do you mean? Um... Where's this attitude coming from?
1: He and the nerd come up with the idea to use reverse psychology. Yeah. Data's not good at it. He doesn't do a good job. He does a lot of... He doesn't trust his audience is part of the problem. He trusts them less as it goes on. I think he starts off going in the right direction, and then it turns into, you're gonna die, they're gonna kill you!
2: Yeah, he does does pretty good, and he gives them the good sarcastic, your children will know that they're dying for a noble cause... And that their sacrifice will be remembered. Actually, th- but he hasn't. He doesn't trust the audience, oh, well, so he has his ruined. plant already, shout out, remembered by who? <laughs> That's
0: right. It's
1: ruined when the lady speaks up. She kills the reverse psychology part. And he
2: says, ah, yes. Bec- for there will be no one to remember. <laughs> it becomes regular And it's psychology. like, ah, Data.
1: <laughs> Data, you fucked it. And then, of course, when he's confronted, he just goes, well, I was just trying to trying to get you to believe me. Just,
2: you, know, you guys have heard of reverse psychology, right? I was
1: using reverse psychology uh yeah so that shit don't work um he's running out of time for um plot related time constraint reasons i'll get to in the other plot so eventually he decides uh he and the lady come up with new plan which is to uh go out there fucking
2: rebel style and be yep. a real dick to these motherfuckers so he like shoots all the guards down uh you've missed a There's an intermediate step where Goshevin's not interested, so she wants to take it right to the people. So they have a secret meeting at her house. Yeah, they
1: talk to uh, Black Settler and White Settler. (laughs) Kentor. They
2: talk to Kentor. Kentor is apparently, like, he's like the number two guy. If there was no Goshevin, this guy would have been mayor. Yeah,
1: but he seems like a real worm, a Harry
2: Kim-style worm to me. Uh, Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a Vedic Barile in that... He'll he'll support something if it's politically convenient. He's not actually a bad guy, but he's a coward and a manipulator. Yeah.
1: So he's like, hey, no one likes this. No one wants to go along with it. So you're kind of on your
2: own on this one. Um, uh, Goshevin shows up and knocks him out with a cattle prod.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Goshevin
2: does try to murder Data. Yep. Sorry, about he doesn't that. murder him. He's only turned off a machine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can't murder a machine. Um, There's an underlying thing here: how Goshavin is racist against machines. Yes, which is the well, the fun contrast with Artie, who just fetishizes them. Yeah, it's great.
1: Um, anyway, it doesn't kill Data. He's fine, right? He's fine. Yeah, he
2: wakes up a little bit later. She's like scanning him with something, but it's unclear if she did anything. Yeah,
1: he wakes up and then he and anyway he comes up with the plan. He's gonna go out there with that fucking phaser, which he's gonna make work.
2: I guess the phaser doesn't work because of the radiation. Yeah, but he's got a thing in his arm he can stick yeah, in it.
1: Don't worry about it. He's gonna fix it. Phaser works again. Uh, he goes up and he shoots all the guards that are at this.
2: Just stick one of those in the transport. He's
1: told Goshavin he wants to meet him at the aqueduct. I don't know why
2: they didn't send the whole army out there because that's clear. Their aqueduct is very fragile. They put four guys on it, but, like, it must be because Goshevin's a racist, and also he's already knocked Data out once.
1: (laughs) Data uh, does, like, a a Red Dead Redemption-style thing where he's hiding behind a wall and then leans up and shoots those four dudes.
2: He pops up and goes into Eagle Eye. He goes into Eagle Eye. And (laughs) then he shoots Dead Eye and shoots all those dudes down.
1: Uh, And then he's like, hey, you love this aqueduct so much,
2: fuck you, and he shoots the aqueduct.
1: And it goes up,
2: and then he's like, "Well, I ain't got nothing to save." Boom. Oh, so here's the thing. That's how I remembered it too. But he doesn't. Even that doesn't destroy the aqueduct, because his next speech is, "I could, I could reduce this pumping station to a pile of rubble." What the hell? But I trust I've made my point. What did he? What did he shoot? Uh, he did a light show. It just fucking the phaser traveled up the aqueduct, but nothing happened. There was a sh- there was a bunch of sparks that shot out when he shot. Eh. <laughs> Like one of those panels on the Enterprise. That happens. <laughs> right. There's plasma in the aqueduct probably.
1: He shot something.
2: I don't know what he yeah. did. He he told them that was the stun setting. This is not. And then he shot the aqueduct.
1: Yeah. Uh. And then Goshavin goes, oh, well, I mean, okay. I mean, I guess if I'm not going to blow nothing. I mean, if there's nothing to save because you're going to blow all our stuff up, then.
2: Well, then he, makes, then he makes the good argument that he should have made at the beginning, which is. These are things. Uh, first of all, I, I'm one android with one phaser. Yeah the Sheliak are coming in force and they may not give you anything to shoot at. They can obliterate you from orbit.
0: Yep.
1: And then he says, uh, hey, these are just things. Things can be replaced. Lives cannot. Blah, bitty, blah blah. Goshivan says, I like you, android, or something like that. And then uh, they okay <laughs> down there. But they still gotta get these dudes off the colony, right? And they yeah. still got the transporter not working, so it's gonna take them like a million years or whatever to get them up by shuttle. So Picard's got to buy some time with these Shelly acts.
2: So that's how he spends the episode. And he, now these guys are like a bunch of Armises and Gold Lemay. Yeah,
1: they're, that's right. Exactly. On correct. a big
2: crystal ship.
1: They, they and some of these aliens that um, are more powerful, apparently, they seem more powerful than Starfleet. But yeah. whenever that happens in TNG, those aliens mostly just keep to themselves. It does seem that way. They ain't out there empire building or anything. They're just like, don't come near us.
2: These these guys are like weird bureaucrat aliens too. Yeah. It's, it's not clear that they're necessarily like a real military
1: power. Yeah, they needed 372 legal experts for this initial treaty with the Sheliak because they were so insistent that the, I don't know what language they were using. Was it just English? Whatever language Starfleet was using was not precise enough for these guys. Uh, it
2: actually is revealed, if you watch the infographics, because now it's in HD, that it is English. Yeah, so they're using when English. When you see the Shellyak message in the beginning, it says something like, uh, uh, for UFP, and then call an English version. Ah, uh, turkey trots the water, et Exactly.
1: Um... <laughs> So they need uh, all, because they, you know, the Shellyak language has never been learned by anyone on the Federation side. It's too complex, and English was such a pain in the ass and, and so s- stupid and dumb like the dumb humans. So they had to make this fucking 20, what is it, 20,000 pages? What is it? It's big. It's a big treaty. Some insanely long treaty that they need 372 legal experts for the first time. So yes, these dudes are very litigious, and they are... Um, they say, uh, according to this treaty, uh, all these planets here, they belong to us, these radiated ones. So, we're coming, and you're in violation, and we're not going to make any exceptions, and if there's anyone there, we're going to kill them. Yep. Uh, Picard asks a number of different ways. He gets beamed over to their ship. He tries to talk to them. He does a thing where he's clearly out of good points to make, because the guy's just like, nah, though. So, he like gets himself ejected from the game. Yep, like a baseball manager who's down eleven
2: runs, he just starts shouting at the guy till he beams, beams him away. <laughs> Essentially, he he he's just trying to get like a couple more weeks. Yeah, he's like, look, I th- we need a call. Starfleet up. can have a colony transport ship out there in three weeks.
1: We need a special colony transport with all the shuttles and everything to get these dudes
2: up. Uh, unusually, this planet is populated. There are fifteen thousand of these people down here. Yeah, so that's why Enterprise can't just take them all up in their shuttle. Although, Burn thinks they could have. Well, I mean they did he
1: do the math. There
2: there are so many shuttles on Enterprise. And he thinks that they they can if they ran one mission an hour, they could have evacuated everyone in four days. Okay, but would they have to press Riker and Jordy into service? Yeah. Because those guys are b- Well, Riker's the best pilot on the ship. Those guys are busy. Jordy could do it, <laughs> but you want Riker. <laughs> he says that all the time to avoid any shuttle missions. <laughs> yeah. He he's afraid of flying.
1: Um Anyway, eventually, Enterprise just stations itself in orbit and is like, You'll have to come through us! Uh, Before Picard says, hey, they've been hitting us over the head with this contract, with this treaty for the last Maybe three days. Maybe it's time we read it. We should, like, take a look at
2: it. Let's read the treaty now. I know it's
1: long, but we can Control-F some shit. And they do Control-F, like, third party. And they come up with a great plan that they are given the right to have a third-party arbitration, and they
2: choose a very satisfied beat, the Crisella. Um Of course, they're currently in, in their hibernation cycle for the next six
1: months. So if you'd like to wait until then, we can do that. Or you can give me three weeks. I just would have said, we're getting the six months. That's what yeah. I would have said, because these guys were playing it by the contract, or by the fucking treaty, and I would have said, we got the right, we choose these guys, you can wait six months 'cause that's yeah, going to give you really more Kurt's are
2: going to have egg on his face if like the colony ship's 3 days late. Yeah, or like it's uh, engine breaks or something on the way and they're like, mm, "Right, we got to send another one." Or uh, you know, it turns out the shuttles don't work that good in the hyperonic radiation, <laughs> so it's like it's going to take us longer than we thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I would have asked for the 6 months, but eventually the guy goes, "Okay, you get 3 weeks." And uh, Well,
2: Picard declares the treaty in abeyance. Oh, and then uh, makes him wait around a lot. Cause and then you can tell that this guy's going to be in trouble with his boss. Yes. So. But, wait,
1: but wait a minute. Oh. So Picard oh.
2: lets him sweat before he answers the call back.
1: Let's not be hasty. My boss, Armus, is a real dick. <laughs> this guy's a piece of shit. We tried to
2: abandon him on a planet a long time ago, but he's fucking back. Every time you think he's not going to be around, he's just there. Apparently a torpedo blew him off of the fucking surface of the planet and he made his way back.
1: It's like you'd think he'd want to go home and hang out with his family, but he doesn't. He's always around. I can't leave till he leaves. A a real fucking
2: micromanager.
1: (laughs) So you got All right. Okay, we'll do whatever you want. I don't know why
2: he even has me write the reports in the first place if he's just going to rewrite them. I
1: think I can probably convince him three weeks is okay, but like six months, he's really going to have my ass.
2: Well, if I tell him that the treaty's in abeyance, he's gonna shit his pants.
1: <laughs> so they get what they get, what they want is the end of that little story. So both the people are the people are now willing to leave, and they have the time to move them. Episode yep. solved.
2: Uh, but Matthew they, uh, can... but,
1: but Data has a goodbye kiss with the lady because okay, because robot lips can do that. Because robot lips, it turns out, can do that. <laughs> she had kissed him earlier in the episode because she thought he he needed it
2: because he has no Don't emotions. Forget. Don't forget that we're so suspenseful about whether Data's a good violin player or not oh, that we have to have a scene where Picard tells yes. him that even if he was just aping the performance styles of two violinists, he put those two together. Yeah. There's got to be some part of Data in that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like bullshit, but that's what he said. Yeah.
0: Uh, that sounds like
2: a real platitude.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: hey, but you you did the
2: good work. You, you put them together. Oh come on, that can't have been easy. You put sriracha on it. He- Heifetz and Bronken had two different styles. You put some sriracha
1: on that sandwich, so now it's it's a new sandwich. It's your sandwich data. Uh, what the hell was this thing?
2: So I'm going to apologize because it's not it's not clear. Clearly, it's an episode about command. Uh, there are so here's what I have. There are lots of tools in a commander's arsenal. Lying, violence Sometimes even literacy
1: (laughs) So You were apologizing for having a
2: uh, One of them Mean-spirited takes It's a little mean-spirited This episode seems to suggest That a machine can only be in command If it can be flexible That flexibility is a big key trait, right? But why is such a strong focus on negative traits? Why does Picard tell Data You have to lie and then when he's down there, he has to use violence. And why is Picard so slow to read the treaty?
1: You'd really think that would be something he and Troy would have been doing the whole time. Isn't that what they were doing? Doesn't she help him prep like in that one with the Harada?
2: With the Harada? Yeah, but that's season one, Troy. I know. That's competent, Troy. But like,
1: it does seem like it would be real obvious to just sit in down this with the one, treaty.
2: He's like, this treaty sucks. This treaty sucks a dick. And she's like, yeah, but you know what? It's kind of a miracle that two species can talk to she, each other. She makes at all. a good point. For example, <laughs> yeah. what? Hey, what did that word mean that I just said? <laughs> yep.
1: But let's not look Picard, at it.
2: But what Picard doesn't say is, okay, yeah, okay. Well, now we have five less minutes to read this fucking <laughs> treaty and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not. I don't hate the take. It, I'm not happy that I couldn't find a good, clean way to say what this episode's trying to get at. It's not amazing take either. I only gave it four.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give mine one point fewer than that. I'm gonna give it three. Know when to use your adversary's arguments against them? Question mark.
2: Okay, Picard, because he's, because they're deterring the treaty against the Sheliak, and because he's gonna. Turn that aqueduct... Turned Goshevin's weird fetishization about bringing water to the desert. Yeah, I so see. And his dad, granddad, being buried on that fucking mountain. Picard
1: complains that the Sheliak have been beating him over the head with the treaty and that he needs to find something in it to help him, and he does. Goshevin uses emotional talking points like the aqueduct and all the shit they've built as reasons to stay and fight, so once Data removes those things, he has nothing left to fight for. Um, that's cool advice. for negotiation or conflict or whatever, but I don't know. That's not an episode. So three for me, I think.
2: And um, Ben's got it as actions speak louder than words. Although that does not explain the Shelley act. I guess he, I guess he
1: didn't tie them together.
2: <laughs> but uh, he has that as a four. I don't know how I feel about actions speak louder than words. As a take. Like if I would love that take coming out of Star Trek. Uh, out of Star Trek, it words, seems... I think words count is the problem.
1: Yeah, I think in TNG it would especially be out of place.
2: Yeah. But again, he only gives it a four. It's not like he's over the moon for that take either. And um, and he is a five for execution. Okay. Uh, he says that uh, plot armor stuff means that Data is the only one who can meet these yes. folks. And he gets to play it up as an android. And we don't need any more love interests for Spiner. True. Especially not yeah, this he lady. Think, he doesn't think Goshevin was much of a leader. That's also true.
1: Uh, I give it, it a six. <laughs> For execution? I hope that doesn't make anyone mad. Okay. Let's hear it. All right. <clears throat> Given what at the time was a time crunch, I agree with Data's solution
2: to go out there and blow up that aqueduct even though it yeah, seems like Data rash. doesn't have a lot of good options. Yeah, he's, he's tried... He's tr- Actually, Data is much more methodical with it than Picard is. Yeah, Data's actually trying things, uh, unlike Picard. Um.
1: I, I always like when we get some world-building in the form of alien races that the Federation are at least a bit afraid of, but as I already pointed out, in TNG, they always seem to be mysterious species that keep to themselves, so we might not see these guys again. Um, Spiner episode with a way-too-thirsty lady nerds not good, and Goshevin sucks, I'm actually knocking it back down to a five. <laughs> I, read, I read what I, what I wrote. Yeah, um, yeah. those those last two points are always... I mean, a Spiner episode's never good, and again, why can't they ever... Just because the guy is the other guy in the episode, the bad guy, he, you could make him seem like he just a has... A person. Uh, just said he has a real argument would be good.
2: Yeah, this is. Um, TNG is actually usually better about this. Like, I think we've had multiple occasions where I've pointed out that we sure were lucky that they were facing a real reasonable yes, antagonist. That's right, yeah. Angel One or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, here's what I have uh, Goshavin is a dub and it's noticeable. Yes. <laughs> All of the audio on the planet is weird.
1: Yes. Their set was terrible.
2: So, here's the thing about this not only has Goshavin ADR hmm. is a different actor
1: well the voice is different from the dude
2: yeah that's oh. no, you're not hearing that actor's voice and according to memory alpha and this is so wild the actor requested that he be dubbed with someone else he didn't like his performance <gasps> he's data he pulled the data on this one <laughs> wow
1: is that how that got ran into that episode I bet yeah. <laughs> that guy came so, to him and went, could you change all my bits and they said we should have data do that this,
2: so yeah, all the audio on the on the planet set is is weird. So that's kind of a minor execution problem. Okay. The romance subplot in this is dumb and it's not particularly well executed. Should have been removed. Data is talking to the leader of the closest town to where he landed, but he doesn't seem to make any attempt to verify that he speaks for all 15,000 people on the planet. Hold like, on, did they not The tell way him this that? works because it's Star Trek, as soon as he's convinced Goshevin, it's cool. I didn't realize he wasn't the leader of the planet We don't know whether he is or not Uh, We don't know, there's 15,000 people Are they all in this one town? I
1: thought maybe those two guys who met him in the beginning Told him that he was in charge of the whole planet Oh, they
2: definitely said you want to talk to Goshevin Uh, But like
1: That's not good
2: Yeah Um, Picard, as usual Leading negotiations himself Instead of getting Starfleet involved yeah. They, they must have official channels to talk to the Shellyak, right? And also someone who understands the treaty. Yeah, but all they've got is the and me, bro. Yeah. Just thee and me. Yeah. Why? We'll, we'll get into it in quick hitters. Okay. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. That doesn't make sense either. Okay. I'm a four. Can, I, can I I, I want to drop one. mine to a four? Okay.
1: <laughs> can I drop mine to a four? Yeah,
2: hey, this episode <clears throat> fucking sucked. It's it this episode is real mediocre. Now by the way, this was the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw.
1: And for some reason, you watched another.
2: And I kept watching. And it was a few more before you guys joined me. It was a
1: lot more. You were watching for a while because the first episode I ever watched, at least in my memory, the first episode that I ever actually watched was Masterpiece Society. Oh, that's many that's episodes like from now. season five, I think.
2: Maybe that's just the first one you can
1: remember. That's what I'm saying. I I, my memory may not be entirely
2: correct. I, I have always remembered that uh, that was the first one. I saw. Uh, By the way, it's pot. No. So here's the thing. I think I must have watched this live because I remember watching it on that 13-inch TV in the bedroom on Lexington Drive.
1: And I remember only ever watching it on...
2: And we moved in 92. The Wilton Drive one. I must have watched this live. It could be. Like in its first broadcast. So I guess I caught TNG pretty early.
1: And again... All told. Baffling that you saw this one as a 10-year-old
2: or whatever. How old were you? Uh, yeah, I was probably ten when this came. And out. you went more of this, please. Well, Beveling that we any of us the, did this. We only got the one channel. Well, we got two or three channels. That must
1: have had something to do with it, because these aren't good. Even the
2: good ones aren't that good. Okay, but like the next, but th- we know there's a good run coming up here, sure. right? Yeah, that's true. I guess. Like, if wasn't... you think about it, if this was the first one I watched, then I mean, the defector might have been the fifth or sixth one I watched, right?
1: Well, next week is um, what does Andrew say next week is?
2: Next week's The Survivors. Next
1: week's The Survivors. Kevin Uxbridge. Kevin Uxbridge. (laughs) Maybe you went, all right, I'll give it one more. And then you saw that cool-ass fucking Kevin Uxbridge episode. That is that Hoosnock ship bangs. That ship bangs. That ship bangs. There's a lot of Troy having headaches, which... That's right. Once I there's got migraines, mu-
2: there's, a, there's a spooky music box inside her brain. I know we'll get
1: this next week, but once I started getting migraines, I can't really watch that episode anymore. <laughs> episode's
2: tough because that is how I feel. <laughs> or is it just that that song is a migraine trigger for you? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Sorry, I think I interrupted. Well, <clears throat> um, nah, we're we're ready to talk about world building. Okay. Um, ben gives it a three says one phaser blast is apparently enough to destroy a huge aqueduct. Again, I would say rewatch it. I don't think it does.
0: It does
1: something, dude, because there's a bunch of sparks, and then
2: a red thing goes all up and down that aqueduct.
1: I got the feeling Uh, he had jacked it.
2: He says there are still lost colonies. The Federation still doesn't bother following up. Yeah. Uh, The Sheliak are interstellar uber-lawyers, and apparently they had a dangerous conflict with the Federation 100 years ago. Yeah, um... Did I write that in here? I didn't I guess I put that. it in my quick quick hitters and not in my world building. Okay. Um, but I gave it the standard three. We get official confirmation on screen that everybody is speaking English. That's true. We could suspect that from the fact that they considered a French to be an obsolete dead an language. An obscure European language. An obscure European language. Uh, we have colony transport ships with dedicated personnel shuttles. We have a species that hibernates for six months Which, by the way, seems like it would be a real easy target for an aggressor species. They
1: must need Federation
2: protection. I would... Well, here's the thing. They're a third-party arbitrator, so they're not in the Federation. Well, I would have said, oh, yeah, we should join the Federation. Yeah. That way we can all sleep.
1: Because it's only humans in Starfleet anyway. We can all just go to bed.
2: I gave it a three. There's some stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense about this timeline. Uh, For instance... The this this ship has been there for ninety years, right? So that's movie Enterprise timeline. Sure. So the treaty with the Harada that was happening during Kirk times.
1: You mean during the Shelly the Shellyak,
2: the Shellyak yeah. that was happening during Kirk times, and this colony ship left during Kirk times, right? And yeah, they didn't follow up on where they went. Nope. <laughs>
1: That shit disappeared. Apparently like all of them. Don't send out any more colony ships. You guys aren't good at it. No.
2: Well, you're seems good like at I'm
1: colonizing. Googles. You're not good at colonizing where you intend to, it seems.
2: Yeah. Uh, so there's a three for me. I
1: agree. Um, Loved. Loved that outfit on the Vulcan dude who walks in during the teaser in the concert. That guy. Mm. Go back and look at that guy. He was hot, 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 hot fire. Yeah, yeah 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 um he was like a a samurai but less armored um <laughs> corporate whom we've not contacted in a century by treaty this planet belongs to the Shellyak. uh what good is a treaty when you haven't had contact with anyone from the other side in more than a century
2: uh seems like a real solid treaty i guess but like i mean Are they even still out there? What the hell's going on? Um, Uh, It was probably like that treaty that Spain and Portugal did where they divided up the fucking New World. (laughs) But then they still had to make it happen. But they were also still right next to each other. But they were right next to each (laughs) other. They had contact. But like this treaty apparently covered some pretty far-flung areas of space. The Federation was like, yeah, we're not going there. We're not
1: going there. And plus, I think he says that the ones with the
2: radiation are his. I think they specified. He's like, oh no, all
1: the ones that are gross we get.
2: We like them. It seems like these dudes were the dudes uh, in Civ who want to make a treaty right away when you first meet them. Yes.
1: They're like, shall we make a treaty of friendship? And you're like, hold on, hold on, Gandhi. Hold on. Hold on, buddy. Let's just take it easy.
2: I was thinking maybe exchange maps. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe I offer you masonry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what you have to offer. Uh, Tau Cigna 5, where there's another unknown human colony. Humans may be too good at colonization. Starfleet can't even keep track of where these fuckers went.
2: Apparently, colony organizers were not buying the best ships and equipment. No, but once they get there, they
1: always just seem to make it work. Even with this radiation planet.
2: Oh, that's life.
1: Uh, Let's see. Data not affected by the radiation, but the transporters are colony ship Artemis 93 years ago. Blah, 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 looking for Septimus Minor. Hyperonic radiation. According to data, the Sheliak have little regard for human life. Um, duotronic versus positronic neural pathways. All the thing about um, Yeah,
2: we haven't heard about duotronics yet, but we will.
1: All the things about legal experts. Uh, 372 legal experts needed for the uh, treaty. Dedicated colony ships with shuttles. Um, I guess for situations like this, but like you wouldn't purposely build a colony in a place that you, is so hard to Transport around, right?
2: No, but if you if you had to, you if you had to move a ton of people and equipment, it you might shuttles might still make more sense.
0: I guess. Like we
2: could fly everything around on airplanes, but we still send shit on con- big container ships, right? Because of economies of scale. I guess that's true. Um,
1: uh, never been able to get the Shellyak language down. They also tried telepaths which is more detail than I remember from this episode. Normally, it's like someone thought about it. (laughs) Yes. Which is weird. Almost gave the game away because you're not supposed to think about that kind of thing in Star Trek. So that means somebody thought, hey, we should probably talk about uh, why didn't they just try to look into their minds or whatever? I mean, we got all these fucking Betazoids and shit. Like, why couldn't they just like try to read their minds?
2: And maybe that's from an early someone in the room pitched walks on a Troy and they were like, no, uh, we just tele- telepathy doesn't work. The <laughs> shell X don't. There's no telepathy. That's right.
1: Um, anyway, I just appreciate that they made that effort. Um. And the chrysalas who hibernate for at least six months at a time. It was a three for me.
2: Uh, Ben's a four on characterization. Says O'Brien fiddles it up, that's racist, but I guess he's got Irish blood. So. Oh yeah, I forgot, O'Brien's in that room. He feels like that's more interesting than finding out that Data downloaded a program on violin. For sure. And uh, he says Data must have a secret pheromone organ that makes his cold dead lips irresistible to women. Why else are she, these chicks into him? I'm
1: telling you, she's the Riker of that colony. Some real strange came into town and she wants to know what yeah. it
2: is. She fetishizes robots, mm-hmm. and the only other woman who's ever been into him is Tasha Yar, and it's because of the rape gangs, guys. Yeah, I think it has to be. It's the, she's the same way with Picard. Inappropriate. Oh,
1: if you weren't the captain. <laughs> or a what? captain. <laughs> what? Um, is it, like, illegal to do a captain? I'm confused about what you just said.
2: Uh, where are you hmm. on characterization?
1: Uh, Data's a fucking emotional baby. My music sucks. Don't listen to it. He's not great at reverse psychology. Uh, I, I hate data, but his solution here is pretty hardcore and persuasive. Um, these are the wide-ranging powers given to Starfleet officers, it seems.
2: Um, well, these guys aren't even in fucking Starfleet. Yeah,
1: just to destroy everybody's shit so they'll leave. Um, I wonder if Starfleet will care at all or if they'll accept this temporary breach of conduct for greater gain.
2: All these dudes being saved. No, no one's going to read the report. That's correct. Picard
1: tells Data that excessive honesty can be disastrous for a leader, but I also think he only spoke up because Crusher gave him a look that said, why don't you say something, you little bitch? For real. Because he he's
2: like, oh, oh, oh yeah. <sighs> oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, stop poaching my quick hitters. Sorry.
1: Picard looked around after his the and me quip like he was going to get a
2: slow clap. Yep. He looked at all of them like, huh? The and me? See what yeah. see what i done? And again, we'll get to it in quick hitters, but no one said, really? <laughs>
1: uh, Picard should have taken Riker with him to meet with the Sheliac. Not because he'd be helpful, but because leaving him in charge of the Enterprise meant an 85% chance
2: that he would shoot at them. <laughs> That's true. It was almost a certainty. <laughs> I mean, the look on Riker's
1: face as Picard left said to me, you know he's going to
2: shoot them. Riker was calling Jordan and saying, hey, forget about the transporters for five minutes. Uh, can we, like... <laughs>
1: I know what you're going to say. Super weapon? Can we Is there make the phasers we come do? out of,
2: like, I don't know, like,
1: the deflector dish or,
2: like, one of the torpedo yeah, have bays? Can we shot phasers out of, like, uh, out of the ram scoops? Can we, like, where else can we... Can we, we, we shoot we? out of the Bessard collectors? I
1: want the if phasers to come out of a new place, someplace they won't be expecting, and that's really strong. Can we strong. the bridge
2: shoot phasers? Can we just shoot
1: them straight out of my mouth? If I open my mouth,
2: can we make can phasers we, come out? If we out? turned the ship, if we nosed down... And I shot a phaser through the big glass Could window on the top of the ship. that
1: amplify the phaser?
2: Would that hit them? <laughs> I'm
1: just saying the look on his face. Would it break the window? As, is what I'm asking. As Picard got into the turbo lift, said to me, "He is for sure planning to shoot the Sheliak." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Picard loses his cool with the Sheliak, but as I said, I think this was kind of he's out of cards to play in this room. The guy just said no to everything, so it is like yep. when he was down eleven runs and he just goes, oh, "I'm gonna get ejected. I'm not doing any good here."
2: Uh, enjoys, At least maybe that'll get him fired up. Enjoys
1: fucking with the Shellyak in the end, and he enjoys fucking with Jordy throughout. I didn't really mention that very small subplot that he keeps telling Jordy he needs the transporters back, and that yep. it, he needs them right now. And Jordy and Wesley spend the entire episode trying to get him up and
2: running and complaining that it is impossible. Yep. Um. And someone got to make a bunch of melted uh transporter test object props. That's right.
1: Riker says some racist shit to Data and yells at him. Out of all the crew, he's the maddest at Data at all times. Yep. Again, use that positronic brain of yours. Hey, should he use his uh, fast twitch muscle fibers too while he's at <laughs> he it? should. Jesus.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Wesley's very frustrated by Picard's demands. Geordi seems kind of used to it. Troy makes a good point about how remarkable it is that species from different planets can communicate at all. But as you said, didn't really get them closer to a solution. <laughs>
2: No, it's a real diversion and also maybe an opportunity for her to have tuned out and missed the uh missed the chance to actually be helpful, kind of like <laughs> in, in data, uh, yeah. <laughs> in peak
1: performance. Yes. And that he could only be the man that, that he man. is. It's <laughs> like shit. Exactly.
0: up.
2: Wait a minute, what was that about sensors? That's probably not important. I don't know. Uh
1: Worf's head hurts when he reads contracts because he's all animal now, one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, Jesus.
1: Um so for me, all of that was
2: a four. Well, uh we are so close to being perfectly in lockstep, I also gave it as a four here. Okay. Um I don't care about data self doubt in this one. I guess that's fine. Yeah. We we actually see it in in other instances too, for instance. Uh if we saw it in one one zero zero one zero zero one. Data was real hard on himself when he figured out the and Wrecker Were still on that ship. Yep. Uh Picard doesn't do a great job of diplomacy here. I guess we're lucky he knew about a hibernating species. Yeah. And I'm not sure that his speech to Data at either end of this episode was anything.
1: I didn't think it was.
2: Yeah. At least Troy's back to being reasonably intelligent, even if she's got a pretty defeatist attitude about this whole thing.
1: Again, I do think she made a good point. It was just sort of like
2: that was not. It didn't end up being helpful. Uh, So like you, I gave it a four. Let's see if Ben has any quick hitters. Oh, he has some. Okay. Uh, He thinks this foreshadows the Maquis somewhat
1: it does with all this plant this planet belongs to us and that planet belongs to this planet by
2: treaty etc etc we're gonna have to remove you um he says the treaty is four times the word count of moby dick right he looked up the the and me reference and apparently it's from a failed business part partnership and the quote here obviously copy and paste it because the background color is different. Yep. I hate is, that by the way.
1: Sometimes I do that and then I'd have to not copy and paste it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes if I do that rather than try to do the correct set of actions to turn it back to the default font, I will uh, copy it, paste it into a text editor, copy it and paste it again. Yeah. The social reformer, Robert Owen is supposed to have said this in 1828 to his business partner, William Allen. They had both been involved in setting up the model industrial community new Lanark, but increasing friction between the two led to Owen pulling out of the concern. His actual words are said to have been all the world is queer, save thee and me. And even thou art a little queer.
1: So here's the thing. One, I've never heard of new Lanark.
2: No, I don't that, think it works. By the way, if you said that was in this episode, that was the name of, that's what they called this colony <laughs> yeah, themselves.
1: That'd be something. you go, all right. Two, two, what does this quote have to do with what Picard said?
2: Uh, nothing. Literally It's
1: literally nothing. just a way to say you and me, but like...
2: Uh, you and me are the only diplomats we have here, and you don't really count, Troy.
1: <laughs> Maybe that is I it. guess is
2: how you could interpret that. I think
1: that is it. <laughs> He's like...
2: And even you are not really good at it. He's taking a dig at Troy. Wow.
1: Maybe that's why he was looking around at everyone in the room like, hey,
2: anyone catch uh, what I just did? Huh? Did it, uh, Did you guys get it? I burned her. Oh, no one can. No one in here can read. Okay, never mind. Uh, no, okay, that's right.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Uh, uh, um, your
0: turn,
2: right? I, yeah. Uh, so again, we, O'Brien playing the cello. I think it's mentioned in Deep Space Nine, but this is the only time we'll ever see it. Right? Do you think Crusher expected Picard to say you have to lie to be a good commander, or was she hoping for something gentler? I don't know because he was like she wanted him to step in and solve Data's crisis of co- of uh, confidence here. But uh, that can't have been what she was expecting no, him to say. I
0: think
1: she didn't realize he wasn't paying attention. Yeah. He like caught the end of what she said and just kind of jumped in before
2: he had fully formed his thoughts. What's Data worried about? Uh, nah, to to it's Commander Data? Something about being a commander? I don't well, know. Well, you
1: know, to be a commander, you really got to do the opposite of whatever it is you're doing right now. That's what I know.
2: Data leaves to start his mission and then Picard turns to Riker and asks him, what do you think he'll find down there and Riker speculates like I don't know a dozen <laughs> survivors or something like that yeah. hey maybe do that in front of Data like if this is supposed to be helpful in some way don't wait till Data leaves
1: I had that too and but my theory is that that was just to distract Riker oh could be he was hoping he'd like think about it a lot because Riker is way off on his guess about what Data will find down there Picard yeah he's completely wrong P- why did Picard even ask him for his opinion because he wanted him to like feel busy. He's trying,
2: I think he's trying to figure out if his initial feelings about Riker were wrong. He's just
1: testing him every point. once in a while to see. Uh,
2: then I wrote uh, everything on this planet seems ADR'd. Later I found out why. Mm. Then I wrote, this lady thinks Japanese culture is highly superior to Western culture, so she's not racist. That's correct. Uh, Goshiven keeps talking about bringing water to this desert. Why didn't they just build where there was water? Yeah, they're not so good at colonies. There's fifteen thousand people on this planet.
1: They're not good at colonies. Like,
2: that's one small-sized town, small to medium-sized town. Yeah, they they could they could probably have just built where there was water. Why is the entire diplomatic crew of the Enterprise just Picard and Troy? It seems like shouldn't there be some legal experts negotiators etc on this ship given its mission on TOS there would have been
1: they might not have been yeah. used but they'd bring in someone from diplomatic division
2: you'd be like exactly. how many fucking
1: departments are there on this ship
2: uh Troy's speech about communication difficulties makes you ask what the universal translator is and how it works that always sucks no,
1: they did it twice in this episode they touched the third rail of telepathic aliens and
2: language barriers yeah Mm. Uh, Kentor looks like he's going to go somewhere take off that robe and do motion capture <laughs> his outfit is green screen green he's going to put on his little balls yep he's going to tape the balls and do his Andy Circus bit as
1: soon as that guy zapped Data and walked out he said to the little white guy "All right, put, put my balls on
2: then I wrote oh no Troy has the worst camel toe I've ever seen on TV why didn't anyone say anything
1: it's true they must
2: have been like no one's gonna be able to see that on tv but how come no one told her just out of courtesy uh, it's very bad <laughs> in hd you could do a 3d model of her vulva based on this <laughs>
0: i'm
1: sure someone has
2: don't don't google don't you know if you're gonna do it bing it
1: bing troy's <laughs> vagina and you'll get all that you need
2: it's a it's extremely poor and like part of it I'm sure is it's just a lycra jumpsuit it wants to be inside you if it could find a way that's right yeah it's trying to ride toward the middle it's pulling into the center all, at all times yes. but like did no one see it and say anything or did they just never think that it would you would ever see it in better than television resolution I've, it must have been visible even in TV what, resolution what I'm
1: saying is they probably said no one's gonna be able to see that on film but how come no one told her just out of courtesy for like walking around on the set yeah like that, yeah, like, someone should have said, hey, you know.
2: All the- in that long, weird shot where they're in that crystal hallway, <laughs> she was just standing there with that thing halfway up her for a <laughs> yeah, long time. I know. Yeah.
1: I, um, by the way, it was in an early one of the Brother Date episodes we discovered that Bing gives you the much more scandalous results to your queries. Okay. <laughs> That's why I said Bing it.
2: <laughs> that makes sense. Boy, I hope Data reports to Starfleet that he solved the whole phasers don't work where there's hyperonic radiation issue. Yeah, he should write a paper. Uh, You would think so, right? Because he fixed it immediately. All you gotta
1: do is use my arm, guys. It's not that hard.
2: So then, real question for you. Hmm. Did Jordy know the situation was all fixed up and that's why he decides to do this 15 years in a research team of 100 joke? Or was that his plan? Even if fifteen thousand people were about to get blasted from space, <laughs>
1: does seem like
2: was that he would come to the bridge and say, "Well, I figured out how to fix the transporters. It'll take a fifteen years and a research team of a thousand or whatever." <laughs> yeah, was that I... was that the plan? If it was like, "Well, we've hit the deadline and all those people are about to be killed," I think that was just the stress.
1: I think he just became pissy.
2: Uh, a couple of behind the scenes things. Okay. This is the episode that made Will Wheaton want to quit TNG. Oh. A producer told him he couldn't take a movie role.
1: Oh, I remember, yeah. yeah.
2: Because this was a big Wesley episode, <laughs> he's and it moved the Beverly Wesley relationship along. He has one line in the transporter he's room. Like he, he, wants says, he, wants, he wants the impossible. He wants the impossible. Oh,
1: this is the one. I remember the story. Uh,
2: basically, a producer was screwing with him, mm-hmm. saying, you know, essentially just a power play. Like I, I control you. I can say I say whether you could take movies or not. Like wow, so. that is a dick move. It was a well. That's how he felt about it for sure. Yeah. Um, when when they finally do read the treaty and Picard stops and highlights the text, uh, it's all visible in this wonderful HD transfer. Oh, good. Here's here's what it says: We can do search and replace. Come to think about it, that's what the Sheliak want to do with the colony on the planet. <laughs> this section deals with the right of each party to confer with the other in the event something screwy happens with the treaty. This may take the form of normal EM spectrum communication, subspace EM communication, face-to-face meetings, telephone tag, messages in bottles, or any other watertight form of enclosure, <laughs> gossip, half-truths, outright lies, or face-to-face meetings, which is repeated, by the way. Uh-huh. Interruption of treaty compliance shall not exceed one, etc. So it just, uh, it just then, then it becomes more serious. The art but department has a little read fun. The, it's a big joke from the art department. yeah. I gave best actor to Picard letting the phone ring and worst actor to animal war frustrated after 25 minutes of reading it's, would prefer battle. It's too bad. It's too bad. <laughs> it that's... really is a
1: shame. It really is a shame what they're doing to war. Yep, it's not good. He's barely in this one too. Just to be an mm. idiot. I got what you got. Um, Really fucking Mozart. Could we get any more obvious? How about fucking Beethoven? You guys didn't think to play any fucking Bach. Is that what we're doing?
2: Yeah. Uh, again, Riker way off on his guess. They never play an alien
1: composer, by the way. They mention some, but they won't play any. Yeah, they'd have exactly. to think of some.
2: They'd have to write some music. Is the problem? <laughs> um,
1: s- still crazy that we could never see that three-panel outfit.
2: It is like the
1: the. It is <laughs> yes. It's
2: very obvious now. It's
1: so obvious in some of these planetary scenes with Data because of the lighting that it, it is wild. We couldn't tell before. Um goshavin gives a look at the girl when she first meets data like oh no remember what she did when that FedEx guy came by that one time <laughs> it was a scandal
2: <laughs> she's she's the employee who's inappropriate with the delivery guy that's
1: right um is it okay to just touch children that are standing nearby because data does it during his speech and it seemed gross when he says will you're your children will understand. And he's like touching the
2: boy. And I'm like, mm. you know, it's a thing that politicians do. I don't like it. <laughs> Didn't. They do reach out and touch any nearby child. Is, but is, that, is that a thing that's just allowed? I don't know the
1: rules about touching children. Is that?
2: Well, ch- children are property. Okay. Good. Is kind of the thing that you have to remember. So
1: if you're making a point, you can just reach out and touch them.
2: Yeah, basically. Okay. Can you deceive them? Uh, that's Im- necessary for a commander. Okay, I'm
1: learning how to say that in Korean, so it's important. Um, okay. <laughs> I was about to say that Goshevin was being pretty reasonable for a tiny little dictator. You know, letting people air their grievances and whatnot in an open forum. But then he tried to murder a Starfleet officer. And uh, then he, bucked,
2: he did bust in and try to do a murder.
1: So, nope, I guess not. Does he think pissing Starfleet off, too, will save his colony?
2: The dog, he doesn't know what Starfleet is or the Sheliak. He is in over his head
0: uh
1: again they didn't need a legal expert they could have just control after that document i don't know why they didn't just look for mediation and then again this chick is the riker of her colony why she's so thirsty that's it
2: i mean she's she is the riker of her colony but she's also the um Phoebe Newworth of her car She's also Phoebe Newworth. There was the Riker of that place. She Riker, Riker met himself. Uh, I want to say Planet Hospital because all we ever see <laughs> is the inside of that hospital.
1: Yeah, we see the inside of the minister's office and the
2: guys and the guy's office. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah he met himself down there on that
2: one. He did, and he didn't like That's it very the, much. The, the take will probably be something about that. I think. Ooh, get to that one. I hope so.
1: Oh God, we still have one left. We've taken so long. Okay,
2: <laughs> we do. Um... The winner last week was Deep Space Nine, so this week we watched Equilibrium. Mm. The Ciscos are hosting a dinner party for the senior staff, Mm. and uh, Dax comes in late and finds uh, Jake's Casio Tone keyboard.
1: Yeah. It's got like it's got like 25 keys.
2: Yeah, it does. It's got uh, three-note polyphony, mm. so well, that's pretty good. You can play it a whole try. How many preset despite,
1: drum settings does it have? Uh,
2: it's got a lot of preset drum okay, settings. Cool. The whole bottom half of the keyboard is drums, if you turn it to that mode. Nice. Uh, despite none of her hosts having any musical ability, she can play it somehow, and it makes her moody and weird. Yeah. Later, at her chess game with Cisco... She drives him crazy, humming the same song continually, before accusing him of cheating and storming out.
1: I was going to call her keyboard dex, but I think clock dex still works better. <laughs> She's clock dex.
2: Then she threatens Kira in the replomat and storms out. Mm. And then she hears music, and the masked dudes from Eyes Wide Shut start popping out of corners. <laughs> yeah. In the infirmary, she apologizes to Cisco and says that the masked man is somehow familiar... And Cisco suggests trying to Shazam the tune in her head.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Does she so, have that?
2: Um, well, she doesn't because it's going to take them like 50 hours to find it. God damn it. Because they didn't. that's one of the unanticipated technologies that Star Trek missed. Did she try Soundhound? I mean, Soundhound is what I use, but I thought Shazam would be more recognizable. Okay, I'm just saying she should have tried both. Uh, Bashir has discovered that her isoboramine levels are dropping. Uh-huh. And if they drop below 40%, I know this is going to make you very sleepy. If they drop below 40%, they're going to have to remove the Symbiont, killing Jadzia. And incidentally, this is what happened to Toraeus, the host before Curzon.
1: How did you know? I had literally slumped so far away from the microphone.
2: (laughs) Doug, I knew as soon as I saw that I was going to have to say isoboramine and 40%. By
1: the way, I have that written as (laughs) isoboramir.
2: Yep. Uh, They set out for the Trill homeworld in the Defiant. And Dax hates the idea of going back to her old testing grounds as a patient. But Bashir calms her down and she sleeps in his bunk bed. Um, But as far as we know, he doesn't do anything about it. Mm. As far as As we know. As far as we know. (laughs) He's a creep. Yep. Uh, Her Trill doctors don't seem too worried. They put her on a treatment plan that raises her isoboramine levels immediately. But back on the Defiant, she sees the masked man again and attacks Bashir. The Doctor's new theory is that her isoboramine levels went up too fast. Ugh. And that the hallucinations are just hallucinations. But Jadzia says that the uniforms her attackers were wearing were too old to be from her time there. So they go to see the Guardians at the slug pool.
0: Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you do. Right.
2: And the guy they meet there is a real weirdo. But he seems to know about Dax's dreams. And he th- and why, does- why is that, by the way? Mm-hmm. And he... <laughs> He thinks one of her former hosts isn't playing fair and that the balance is off between Host and Symbiont.
1: Another real whiner.
2: Yeah. Back on the ship, they found... He's the guy from Eastbound and Down with No Chin. I mean, he's not, but he's reminiscent of that guy. He's
1: basically that guy.
2: (laughs) Back on the ship, they found the music. It was written 86 years ago by a trill named Joran Balar. (laughs) And when she sees his picture, she has a flashback in which she washes the Eyes Wide Shut man stab somebody with a steel... Hone like you would use to sharpen your kitchen knives, mm. and then remove his mask. But before she can tell any anyone anything useful about her vision, she goes into shock. Uh, her isoboramine levels are like mad low now. So Bashir and Cisco go to see uh, Timur the Guardian again. Yeah. But he's suddenly clammed up, and Cisco thinks he's being silenced. So he and Bashir go to the library to learn all about this composer. But all they learn is that he died on the same day as the host before Curzon, Tarius Dax did. Uh, so then they try a random trill from the phone book with the same last name, and it turns out he's this guy's brother. Good. And he says that the composer was in the initiate program, and that even though the official record says that he was dropped, uh he claimed that he had been joined previously. Uh, um This guy's Sisto- just giving away all the family secrets. He really does. Like, he's just so happy that someone called him. That's right.
1: I don't know The dude was sitting right by phone the phone, works. ready to take
2: the call. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now Sisko and Bashir think that the Dax symbiont was in this composer, Jaron Balar, before Curzon, during the six months that Toraes was supposedly in a coma. Right. So they bust in on the trail doctor who's getting ready to remove the symbiont, which again will kill Jadzia, mm-hmm. just so you remember why there's any stakes in this at all. But Cisco stops her and accuses the commission of covering up the fact that a lot more of the population is suitable for joining than is commonly believed. And the doctor says, Well, yeah, it's like half. So obviously <laughs> there'd be mad riots yep. if uh, if anyone knew about this. Um So Cisco threatens to Cisco threatens to reveal it if they don't take out the memory block that they somehow know has been put on Dax.
1: Because if she, if her host is allowed to integrate back in, maybe she'll just like be a-okay.
2: Then in a scene that I'm not certain whether it happens or is a metaphor, (laughs) Dax is in baptism robes and climbs into the slug pool and integrates Joran's memories. What do you mean you're not sure if it's a metaphor? Was that guy waiting in the pool all those years? I mean, I guess it was a metaphor, right? (laughs) I don't think he was. I mean, <laughs> he looks really right. young. It must
1: be some hell of a, <laughs> that's a, file of a fucking pool. He's just been hanging out there.
2: Anyway, I guess everything's cool because we're back on DS9. And uh, now Dax is hitting that Casio demo button again. She so can play music.
1: Great. Rock over
2: London, rock on Chicago, <laughs> Diet Pepsi. Uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. Okay.
2: Ugh.
1: I almost fell asleep. What's this one what about? I almost fell asleep three times during your explanation of it. I don't know what it is about this plot, but I could not do it. Normally, I do the DS9 descriptions, but I just couldn't focus on this episode at all. Uh, the moral of the story is you can't trust the system. I'm an adult. Um, nothing deeper Happy than this. to the ground. Yeah, nothing deeper than this, I'm afraid. It's not about your own past or knowing yourself. <coughs> Even a little bit, it's not about those things. It's literally just like, oh, they did a dang conspiracy and it almost got Dax killed or whatever. Oh. That's a two.
2: That's nothing. <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> I threw the rest of the cake, I, too. I <laughs> uh, I just I I just fucking took them at their word. So here it is. If you want to know who you are, it's important to know who you've been. Great. She says it at the end. I don't care. Uh, but then I wrote, but like, does it mean anything?
1: <laughs> yeah. What is that?
2: Is it a call to acknowledge the unsavory aspects of your past rather than bury them? Because nothing that happens to Dax here is her fault. Yeah, she does. But I don't know what... Here's the thing. I didn't know what else this could mean. Yep. I guess you're right that it could be you can't trust the system. I just gave it the three points and moved on. Okay,
1: that's fine. Whatever takes um, less time is fine.
2: Ben gave it a two, and he says to understand who you are, you have to understand your past. It's said in the end, but I don't believe it's well supported by the story. Fact. It gets overridden with some stuff about society ending secrets and stuff, but I don't know if there's a clearer take. So, again, Ben and I had the same thing. Yeah. We don't think the take makes a ton of sense, but whatever. Well, they did say it. Uh, he's a three on execution. He says he didn't care about the trail, so finding out more about them is not interesting. Yeah. He doesn't know what the stakes are.
1: It's hard to be super he- interested when such a bad actress is playing the trail.
2: Yeah. Uh,. He says he doesn't know why this is going to destroy Trail Society. Wouldn't they just continue to have screening procedures? Yeah. Like, there's only a certain number of these symbionts, so even if 50% could take them, like, they're still going to have to find the ones that do. It's like
1: they're going to have such a massive riot when people find out that they're just going to break in there and steal them or something.
2: He says uh, the ending is an anti-climax. They just She just hugs her old self and is fine. Yeah. The execution's fine from an acting standpoint, but the plot is weak and poorly explained in key places. I uh, gave it a three. Okay. And first of all, back to student film hour on Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Yeah. With the dude with the masks, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. How lazy is it that this one Trill Doctor is basically the head honcho so that Cisco can confront her at the end?
1: Yep. It's like the only person they run into except for the pool
2: guy. Yep. This show is almost interested in explaining how Trill Society works, but in the end, not quite. (laughs) That's great. So, yeah. Three. What did you think?
1: This episode commits the cardinal sin of this entire project. If you aren't going to be about anything, then you have to be (laughs) interesting. This was so fucking boring. And I did not care about anything that happened in it. And it wasn't about anything. It's a two.
2: DS9's had a real good run. Like a real good run of wins. Well, Um,
1: the... Fucking, this ride is over. Is that a
2: thing that people say? Because it is. <laughs> um, did you think they did any world building?
1: Trill stuff, but it's mostly techno babble at this point. Like, her Isoboromir levels are low, so this lady put her on a Benjamin Button regimen. Who wrote this? There's some stuff about yeah. the Guardians and the pool, but who knows what's up with them. And by the way, needlessly mystic trill bodies can sometimes reject the worm killing the host turns out a lot of people are suitable for the joining they don't they want people to think it's a super exclusive club but it will still remain a secret so who cares um that would be a big reveal but i think they did they've like decided to keep the secret
2: it's unclear cisco doesn't seem like he's about to go blow up their whole shit and frankly he was pretty good at keeping his um keeping his mouth shut about calvin hudson so yeah so you never know was gonna say, he might not be a snitch
1: what i was gonna say was unless this is a ds9 version of wharf's discommendation this is not gonna come up again yeah because remember in that one they're like all right i guess he's just gonna accept it and hide the secret and then like however many episodes later they come back and they're like nah fuck this um hey is it okay to use the defiant for this
2: Boy, we all had the same notes. Ben's note on this is apparently the Defiant is just property of Deep Space Nine. (laughs) I wrote, hey, shouldn't they take a runabout for this little jaunt?
1: I didn't even think about it until you said in your description that they took the Defiant out there. And I went, oh, yeah, they did, huh?
2: Yeah, the Defiant is a warship protecting the station and the the whole of the Alpha Quadrant.
1: From the fucking Dominion. And they're just like, yeah, but we got to get the trail. So runabout ain't going to cut it.
2: Wild. It's by the way, no one has ever said that the Defiant is fast. I'm not sure that it's any faster. It's a warship. I'm not sure it's any faster than the yeah, runabout. What are
1: they going to so. need to fight on the way to trail? Just take the runabout.
2: I guess it. It. There are no bunk beds in the runabout, so we can't have that touching scene where uh, Doctor Bashir remembers that he's a doctor and doesn't try to sleep with her. Maybe.
1: Um. As far as we know, it's a two for me on world building. I'm just not convinced anything that happens with the trail is going to matter.
2: Ben gave it as much as a four, um, but I gave it as few as a two also okay uh he but the one thing he points out that I didn't really think about is that normal trail must also live longer than humans based on the fact that the guys, when they talk to this uh composer's brother he's remembering stuff that happened like 85 years ago. yeah that's true um, but that's not but crazy I think humans
1: of this me. age still live pretty long too though they do they do yeah like um, McCoy's like 137 or something.
2: So for me, we learn about Cisco's dad's restaurant uh, and I'm cheating. Yeah. I know what's going to come up again. Sure, you're right. Because at this point, I think, uh, don't we think Cisco's dad's dead? <laughs> he's told
1: people that he's dead in the past. <laughs> Maybe that's just yeah. one of his
2: lies. <laughs> uh, and then a bunch of trill shit, but it doesn't actually make sense if you stop and think about it. So mm. uh, just a two. Yeah.
1: What about characterization?
2: Well, like all other alternate Daxes, bitch Dax is more interesting. <laughs> I'm, clock Dax, please. I'm sorry, Clock Dax. <laughs> um, Bashir and Sisko have to be detectives and computer experts in this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: They didn't want to they're give anyone real, any
2: lines. <laughs> the only real character traits we get from them are they like Dax and they're not fans of lying. Yeah. So I didn't feel like much character work was actually done in this episode. One thing we never really do is check in with Dax about what she wants to do in case the symbiont's in trouble.
1: Yeah. Well, isn't she unconscious you know I mean? for a lot of that?
2: It, it, well, she's in and out of it, but like she doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. H-
2: how does how does she feel about this? What you know, anyway, whatever. It's a two. I gave it a two. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh just I'll check in with Ben. Um he gave it a six. Oh. Cisco is from good southern stock. I guess. Well, you know, he's from New Orleans. Um, Bashir learned medicine initially because he was scared of doctors. Judzia was the only host to apply again after getting dropped uh,
2: by the Trill Academy or whatever. Yeah, we learned about that in the one where she was shitty to that kid. Yes.
1: um, Where the one where she fucked the guy from Final Fight, where she fucked one of the Final Fight bad guys. <laughs> right. Um. All right, let's see what I got. Cisco is supposed to be some great amateur chef, but he looks real ham-fisted with that whisk.
2: Not sh- yeah, and also, uh, I didn't see an oven anywhere in there, so I don't know how he's going to make a fucking souffle.
1: Exactly great. Right. He's going to put it on that hot plate? I don't think it's going to work.
2: It's going to cook a souffle in a fucking <laughs> cast
1: iron skillet. <laughs> Not sure if his father's restaurant in New Orleans has been mentioned before. The way he asks Jodzia, do you mind? With his hands on his face, reminded me of Clock Cisco, when they yeah. were playing chess. Uh, None of the Dax Symbionts had musical ability. Oh, did
2: they? Unless there's a secret 8th Symbiont we didn't learn about.
1: I don't think much of what she does in this one will be helpful for this category. She's acting pretty batty in the beginning parts. Um, When she becomes herself again, she's scared of losing her worm. Uh, Scared of the top bunk because Curzon once fell out of a tree. Fun that she gets to take all that stuff with her life after life. Yeah. Hey, was was he asleep in that tree? It's <laughs> a good question cuz if you weren't like what's the don't climb a tree if you're scared of it. You're not going to fall out of the bunk bed.
2: Yeah, it's different.
1: I guess he must have been asleep in that tree. Um good small touch when Bashir says the piano thing must be beginner's luck and he looks at Kira like, "Let's get the fuck out of here. She's being weird."
2: Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Also, it's the cure is only in this one scene in the beginning, and she's doing some like relationship work with Odo that I don't think anyone wrote into the script or anticipated <laughs> because he does not have a response he to it. He just looks
0: at
1: her like, You're fucking ad libbing? She's like, I'm like, you're, like, You're being you domestic. She just looks so
2: like cute. It's, it's super cute. And she's in her casual clothes and everything. Yeah, she's in her uh, the, go
1: shoot the guy on the moon stuff clothes.
2: They didn't know what to do about that. Yeah.
1: Ah, uh, let's see. Bashir and Sisko share a conversation about how much they care for Dax or whatever. She's barely even been in the show lately, so I guess they're reminding us of who she is and who she has connections to on the show. Bashir was a dumb kid. We'll know more about that eventually. <laughs> he feared doctors as a kid, not because he associates them with illness or painful procedures, but because he thought they were magic shaman. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was being shitty in this one, except Batty Dax. And you got the whole closing ranks and helping out a friend vibe from Cisco and Bashir. No one else was in it much. To me, it's a
2: four. Okay. Do you have some quick hitters, some thoughts you'd like to share on this dumb episode? I'll go quick.
1: Uh, I, again, these are all written in real time. Ah, uh, this is a Dax. I remember that this is a Dax. That means Dax acting. I'm afraid it does. Dax is so tall that even though her actress is terrible, she still seemed intimidating when she was threatening Kira. Cause she was just looking straight down at her, just towering over her.
2: Because, uh, instead of being an actress or something like Kira, Terry, Terry Farrell was a a model. Some sort of model
1: that they said, well, we need to make it sexier though.
2: But, uh, even though she's like a skinny model, Padded pat up so she looks like she's got D cups. Make sure she That's wears the padded hand. bras every week, and tell him it came from me. Make a big stink about it if she don't. <laughs> if she don't like the what if she don't like the padded bra, boss? She'll wear it. She'll wear it or else. I like
1: the operation that we've grafted here.
2: <laughs> a little bit, huh?
1: Uh, oh, cool masks. It's horror DS9 this week. Then I stopped taking quick notes.
2: Well, I got some. Okay. Uh, how is Cisco gonna make souffle without an oven? Yep. When the mask, when the mask guy took off his mask to reveal another mask underneath it, I had to stop the episode and catch my breath. <laughs> I was laughing at DS9 student <laughs> films so long. However, behind the scenes, mm. it turns out that this whole show was written because Michael Piller. Okay. Saw the magician who plays Joran Balar? Oh no! Do his great mask act, <gasps> where he takes off one mask and there's another one beneath it. No. This whole episode was written
1: because Michael Pillar sucks.
2: Because of this guy doing his fucking mask trick. That's so sad, though. And then someone was like, "Oh, I don't know if the masks could be a metaphor for Dax, <laughs> like she's got." Different. There's like another person inside her, underneath the one person.
1: Uh, yeah. And then they green. Anyway, the let's thing.
2: hire that magician and get him to play the guy. That's wild.
0: I, I want to. That's be the worst thing I've
2: ever learned about Star Trek. And if I had learned it before I scored the episode, I would have deducted points somewhere for sure.
1: People are lucky that I'm not a producer of a television show. Every character would be played by Stephen Root.
2: <laughs> God, that sounds really good. Well, he should be in here somewhere. That sounds huh? really good. Um, I like him as uh, uh Captain Cavada. Boyle's Boyle's dad. Oh in, yes, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine.
1: Uh, has a girl's name or something. What's his name?
2: Les Le- Leslie maybe something like that? Le- Lynn or Leslie or something. Lynn, yeah, something. It might be Lynn. Yeah. Hey, uh, again, shouldn't they take a runabout for this little John? Ja- oh, you can tell that this Guardian isn't symbiont material because of his weak chin. Yep. <laughs> if he applied. He like a young... also thought he was like a young John Lovitz. <laughs> oh. And then I feel like we missed a bunch of scenes that explain why Cisco and Bashir now think lots of people could be joined. I, they like,
1: do just put a lot together in that last scene, and I thought maybe I was just missing stuff.
2: They go from A to Z. Like, they figure out that the symbiont was inside this guy. Yeah. And we also know that this guy did a murder yeah so and the conclusion isn't they're covering up the murder that this guy did yeah. the conclusion is i bet a lot of people could be symbiotes that it'd tear their society apart Yeah,
1: because they're like because they specifically ask okay they're like how long does it take for the body to reject the the dang old worm if it doesn't work and she's like ah three to four days and they're like we know this guy was in this for six months and that he had been deemed an unacceptable host or whatever like So if he was, this would have been rejected. So, you know, I bet that you're right. Then they make the leap to, well, how many people are acceptable hosts? And
2: and then instead of going, no, we just didn't want people to know about the, that the guy, that we accepted the guy to the program and he did a murder. But now
1: that you said this other thing, yeah, let's go with that. It turns
2: out, anyway, it's basically half. Our scientists say it's basically half. (laughs) That's right. So. Yeah. So that sucks. I gave uh, best actor to stirring Odo. Okay, and worst actor to bad day Dax.
1: She's not great. Uh,
2: which is the Dax who comes into the party? It seems a little out of it. Like, oh, sorry, I'm late. I had such a bad day. To her boss, <laughs> yeah. who probably assigned her to do the things that gave her a bad day. You wouldn't believe what Cisco made me do. Anyway, you know Cisco. Oh, what? I'm in his quarters. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at his son's keyboard. <laughs> uh is that it? Are we done? That is it, and we are done. All that's left is to announce winners and losers. So They were all losers to me. In fifth place this week, last place with 20 points, Deep Space Nine hey! Equilibrium ended its real good run of wins. New. One point better in a still real shitty fourth place with 21 points, Voyager Futures End Part 1.
1: We were in lockstep on these. We both gave DS9 a 10, and you gave 11 to Voyager, and I gave 10.
2: Real close. Could have gone either Actually, way. Actually, the whole sure. week was really close. Uh, in third place with twenty six points, still real mediocre. Yep. Tos with Return to Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, somehow managed some premise scores, but nothing else.
2: Yeah. Uh, in second place this week with twenty nine points, TNG Ensigns of Command, and that means notching its fourth win oh. with a. Eh, 35 points okay enterprise first flight i mean i'm not gonna lie i i think it was the
1: one that when i watched it i enjoyed the most sitting there watching it
2: yeah i mean it is the story of wildly irresponsible behavior (laughs) and it is told in a series of flashbacks uh nevertheless, I think it probably was the best. Ba- I think that the scores in this case reflect reality that this was the best episode this week. Yeah,
1: normally even when TNG scores bad, I enjoy it the most. But there was just so much Spiner.
2: There's not a lot in Ensign instance of, instance of Command to really like. Yeah. Uh, again, like the Sheliac could maybe be cool, but also could they have just reused the Harada for this?
1: Yeah, just use the Harada again. He's
2: familiar with him. Oh, I guess Picard can speak some Harada. <laughs> this... But that's not really an important part of this. No, the
1: speaking isn't really the best... The
2: treaty could still have been a big thorn in his side. Yeah. Um kind of a poor week. Uh you particularly scored this quite low. This is in your bottom 10%. Oh, whoops. Uh I scored it a little higher, but still Uh, The average this week was 26.2, and reminder that last week's almost the worst week ever was a 24.6, so... Yep. (laughs) uh, Real low-quality week, but next week, episode 50, we're watching Patterns of Force. Don't remember what that is. The Survivors. I
1: remember what that is. Hard for you to watch because of your migrant. Yeah, I'll have trouble with it, but it'll be okay because I know there's a part in the end where Picard lets this guy off because, you know, what are they going to charge him with? They don't have a crime. (laughs) They don't have a a crime to fit
2: what he did. It was a genocide. (laughs) Uh, Second skin. Um, Sounds like it should be an Odo episode, but I don't know. Don't remember. Futures and part two, of course. The return We skipped the part this week where after after part one of a two-parter, I ask you if you're looking forward to part two. I am not, because I've been... Because I know you're not. I've been dreading this one forever. And uh, for Enterprise, bounty. I presume someone will have a bounty probably on Archer. It's
1: either that or some, one of the many ships called bounty. I, it's hard to say. It could be. It could easily be. I think they'd probably say the bounty in that case. Well, that was bad. Um... God, i'm so glad we're not on the clock for this next week next week's a mailbag well we're not on the clock but are you i mean we're working on a music project so i will be working on something oh. but i don't feel nearly as much stress about that as i do about star trek
2: no it's it's less stressful for 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 one thing there's no reason you need to spend five hours on. yeah
1: i'm gonna listen to some tunes i might pick a few clips out no big deal um but please send us more mail um, so we'll read it on next week's show that's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine we're we're kind of we're kind of sort of on Stitcher my, my personal pet project that I asked Judah to do
2: <laughs> we're on Stitcher but Stitcher doesn't like something about our RSS feed so it's only showing two episodes now but maybe it'll be better Yeah.
1: Um, but you can also find us on iTunes you can find us at uh, BrotherDate.com and uh, we'll be back thankfully with a non-trek next week um, I do have a question for you though Okay. Can Robot Lips do this? You'd think he'd want to go home and hang out with his family, but he doesn't. He's always around. I can't leave till he leaves.
2: A, f- a real fucking micromanager.
1: <laughs> so you got it. All right. Okay. We'll do whatever. You I don't want. know
2: why he even has me write the reports in the first place if he's just going to rewrite them.